afternoon and evening, Supercoach Elites. Welcome back to another Supercoach Elites podcast. It is the Brownlow podcast. I cannot wait. It's arguably my favorite pod of the year. We normally do the video version. This year, we will be doing a pod. My name's Corey, and the one, the only, the man that puts all the work into what we're talking about today, it is Schmitty. G'day, CBE. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Good. Sorry, I was just taking a sip of me, VB. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, no, super keen to get into this. Um, as you mentioned off the top, I've done a lot of work this year on this spreadsheet and really keen to get into it. But before we do that, third member of the team tonight is Broyle. Choo-choo! The Lord <laughs> is back, boys. And, uh, Corey, where can the listeners hit us up on social media? All right, Dill, if you can, try and get your mic a little bit louder for us because that was a little bit quiet. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Patreon at SC Elites. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, and SoundCloud at Supercoach Elites. Uh, Dill, you want to give us a little little talk again? I probably should have checked this before I started. You sounded pretty good before we got in here, but... Yeah, I'll, I'll give you another choo-choo. Corey, how's that one? Yeah, you're a bit quiet. Shmini, can you talk for me? Yeah, no, I can hear him loud and clear, mate. Yeah, it, it's just coming through a little bit quiet. I don't know how to reflect on the audio, but we will go. What are you using to talk? Have you just got uh, earpods in or something? Uh, yeah, just the, yeah, just got the earpods in, mate. All right, you're just going to have to speak up a bit for us. That's all right. We'll get it all sorted all anyway. Um, let's face it, between me and you, most of the talking will we'll be going to our man Schmidt. Now, for those <laughs> that are tuning into this, it is a great, great little pod. It's something I really, really like. The one thing I do recommend, if you are listening, is get the spreadsheet open while we're talking. So the spreadsheet can be found on the page. It'll be pinned to the top of our page at the moment. I think it's on Twitter as well. Um, We'll get it to the top of Twitter too. Now, get it open. It is a document that is a little bit more friendlier on computer. We've had a couple of bitches sook today um, that they didn't like it. Fuck me dead. Couldn't believe it. Actually, was just... Held me tongue a little bit and wanted to absolutely fucking roast that guy. So he knows where the door is. He knows who I'm talking about. And he can actually <laughs> fuck right off if he's got a problem. Um, and then he made a comment about fucking watching porn on the computer. I'll tell you what, boys. Yeah. I don't know how you guys watch your fucking porn hub, but it's fucking 45 <laughs> times better if you get it up on the computer. Even Jeez. better if you get up on the 75-inch screen too. Yeah, <laughs> the beautiful thing about a pod is I can say whatever the fuck I want and get away with it. So fuck you to that bloke. Um, and let's move on. Um, Schmitty, I'm actually surprised you held your tongue. You normally bite back a little bit. Oh yeah, I uh, I messaged I messaged another one of the admins off to the side with a with a response and asked him his opinion whether or not I should post it and he probably he told me just to leave unless I wanted to carry on all day so I took his advice and left left it there. Not bad. Now I just realised, uh, Royal, you probably are coming good. I just had my uh, volume turned down there, mate. So <laughs> it's probably on me, not so much you. Oh, what a start! What a start! What a start! It's just a token elite podcast. The first five minutes is absolute crap. However. That should have given you enough time to get your spreadsheet open, have a look at it. Now, Schmitty, I am blown away by the effort that goes into this every single year. It is a fantastic document, um, very well put together. Now, just so the listeners know, this isn't something that you get to the season end and start entering data. You go through game by game, round by round, and when you're not overly confident on something, you come to the elites group and you'll ask a question and you'll get our feelers as well. So it is something you do a lot of work for. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. You tab down the bottom, ladies and gentlemen. You got the Brownlow predictor, which is what we're going to be working off today. That's what we're going to start off. I will let you know when we tab in and out. Round by round, which is one of the greatest tools in the world, and this is entered every single round by Schmitty. What you do is you go have a look 
Brownlow Knight, this is a good tool that if you're thinking of backing something on Brownlow Knight in the round-by-round market, because it is a very good market, check out what Schmitty thought about it as well. It's really, really good. Club-by-club totals, which we'll probably touch on at the end. Uh, We've got the Brownlow comparison. Now, this is something new that you've done this year, Schmitty. Is that correct? It is, yeah, first time. Now, and we'll get you... We're going to touch on this at the end of the show. So what I'll do is I'll get Schmitty to run through what it is, thoughts behind it, where it's... (coughs) Excuse me, because I was on it for what four minutes before, and blown away by how different and how over the all over the place some of the other analysis are. Um, yeah, which is which is pretty insane. And then of course the club's best, which is at the back. You know your pollers, how many times they polled and everything. But for those that are following on Brownlow Predictor, we're going to go through team by team quickly. You know, the more in-depth teams we'll touch on. And then at the end, we'll go through the Brownlow comparison. We'll talk about our our tops. We'll have a little chat about our best bets and and things like that too. I did say before we started, I'm glad that it is only three of us because it's going to make it that much easier to talk about. Last year was a little bit of a mess. There was a whole bunch of us that was... Yeah, bouncing off. You had to look at our mugs too because it was on YouTube. So um, I'm glad tonight. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Adelaide Crows and Schmitty, you can kick us off with whatever the freaking hell you want to talk about. Yeah, all right. Well, looking at the Crows, go Crom. Um, there's not much else really happening other than Rory Laird, to be honest. Um, obviously, Ben Keys had a really good year. And so I just want to clarify too for anyone looking – uh, all these dots that are there are of times that uh, that player has featured in their club's best players for any given game, according to AFL.com.au. So as you can see, uh, Ben Keys features quite a lot in their best players, but obviously with the poorer season, probably doesn't poll uh, all too well, uh, especially not as well as Led. Um, Tex Walker with the three best ons, in my opinion, at the start of the season, uh, I think I think maybe after round three or four, a lot of the commentary from other media sources were that he had three best on grounds. So I'm fairly confident in how that uh, looks early there. Um, other than that, there's not a whole heap going on at the Crows. They didn't have a great year. So, um, yeah, probably not too much interest. And I think Laird's the outright favourite and rightfully so, to poll the most for them. He had 15 goals in three games, didn't he, in the first three rounds? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So it's a bit hard to it's a bit hard to deny him. I'll tell you what, it's the easiest $1.16 you'll get all the all three of those games. The middle one might be the only one that's a little bit odd. But yeah. there is no way he's not polling three in all three. Oh, well, in the two wins at least. For sure. Yep. Uh, Royal, you got anything to add about the Adelaide Croms? There's not too much, really, is there? No, yeah, you, if you're looking at someone that might you know, rival Rory Sloan, there's no one that really jumps off the table. Like, we know Tex came off um, the season off with a flight. You know, uh, looking at the predictor, he's polled to get three votes in the first round. So, for him to get maybe 10 votes is probably good odds. I'm not sure what they'll be paying for Adelaide, but yeah. Um, there's not much else to really add besides uh, Rory Sloan, to be honest, and uh, so, uh, Rory Laird, I should say. And if you're looking at him for a top 10 finish, which is probably outrageous, $3.50. So maybe worth a chunk it on a multi if you're looking for a roughie. Yeah. I'm just having a quick look. Um, I know you just said um, about Tex Walker in that Sydney game being a maybe an anomaly to not be best on when they've lost by 40 points. But just looking at the three-vote games, round two, Sydney versus Adelaide, Sportsbet have got him as a $1.45 favourite ahead of Errol Goulden at four fifty to poll the three, even though they lost. So 
Yeah. yeah. Well, he he dominated that game as well. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, and what did you say? Top ten there, did you Royal? Yeah. So top ten for for Lady three fifty. So it's not it's not bad. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Uh, yeah. Our big boy's got him sitting at 17th here, so maybe top yeah. 20. That might be a little bit better for yeah, you. Yeah, it might be a bit better. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. All good, all good. Um, I don't mind the smoky throw, the dartboard throw, but I think the easiest money you'll get there is Tex Walker. Is I'd love to see a market where Tex Walker... Hopefully, they bring it out on the night. Tex to have nine after the first three. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a special. Yeah. And just brings back those brisket feels from the start of the year. The Brizzy Bears, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, have a look at that name, H. McCluggage. I reckon halfway through that game in round 10, when they absolutely destroyed Richmond, uh, we all know my wife is a big Brisbane fan. Uh, she loves a bit of a flutter every now and again. She's not very good at it, and she puts about $3.50 <laughs> bets on. Uh, convinced her to put 100 on Hugh McCluggage in that game as well. So... If you haven't looked at the spreadsheet, you can see that that drastically scales off from there. Uh, we got it at 10 to 1 at that stage too. I think about two weeks later, it was out to 23. So uh, she's probably not going to be my biggest fan uh, come Brownlow night. A uh, couple of interesting ones here. you got Schmitty, uh, Jared Lyons, 23 votes. Uh, Hugh McCluggage, mm-hmm. 20. Um, and Dane Zorko on 17. Zorko is one that always, he notoriously polls well uh, for this team. So he really does... A Brisbane, a team that's going to be pretty difficult to touch because they'll have, you know, points all over the board. Um, mm. Yeah, is was this a little bit of a harder team to, to look at? What You know, they started slow, finished better. Yeah, yeah. I, I try not... I really try to separate my super coach bias with my Brownlow stuff because it's, it's very easy to get caught up in, you know, being a Jared Lyons owner in super coach and then... You know, he pumps out a 150 and, and the score looks great and then you just automatically go, oh, yeah, that's three votes. But it it doesn't always equate to that. So I try to try to separate as best I can. But um, I think I'm pretty unbiased and pretty subjective when it comes to how I rate the games. And well, like you were saying, yourself and, and the missus, um, obviously we're getting on McCluggage early and, and it reflects uh, in my spreadsheet, you know, the reasons as to why. Um, like I said with Tex, a lot of the media outlets, you know, were were pumping him up a little bit um, by mid-year. Uh, probably by the bye, as you can see, he had those two games before the bye where he wasn't in their best players, and that's probably where he uh, dropped off. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty pretty confident in how that looks. Um, Neil obviously came back and had a few good games, probably polls a three in the last round. But... Um, yeah, no, nothing, nothing too out of the ordinary for Brisbane. A few good players there, but no, nothing, nothing to really make it too difficult. That little patch there, where you've got threes all over the board for Hugh McCluggage. I tell you what, that night, anything over a dollar fifty for him to have best on, I'll be absolutely unloading on as well there too. So uh, that'll be a bit of fun for me, uh, Royal. Yeah, I just feel like Jared Lyons because he's not that real like sexy football. Like we all like think the household names, like the Petrarchas and and those like type of players that he might not get the votes that he probably necessarily deserves um, from the umpires. Like there's a lot of years you always get people thrown up that they might get a lot of votes and then come Brownlow night they're, they're nowhere to be found. And I feel like yeah. that be Jared Lyons again. I, I think he's criminally underrated. I think he was really stiff to miss that on the All Australian team as well. Um, and if I'm like backing someone to get most votes for Brisbane, I would definitely have Jared Lyons. But I think like the likes of Zorko and maybe Hugh McCluggage might 
because they're more of a prominent, like, you know, outlet player, they're more sexy kind of players that mm. I might be looking for them more and I feel like they might get the more votes. But I feel like as an overall player for the rest of the season, I think Jared Lawrence has clearly been um, Brisbane's most consistent player. Um, and I would definitely be backing him for the most votes for Brisbane. So I, I reckon Smitty's got this bang on, to be honest. I, I think the thing with Jared Lyons, too, is that I you, I know he's underrated, like you were saying, but I actually think he started to get the accolades, not necessarily in terms of like all Australian mm. accolades and all that sort of stuff, but he started to actually get the recognition, um, you know, from the wider football community that he, you know, was a was a steal to for Brisbane to get out of Gold Coast and all that sort of stuff. And, and so maybe maybe you're right in the way that his early form where I've got him polling three in rounds nine and ten might not get recognised. But I think by mid-year, the penny had well and truly dropped to everyone that he was a star and then there's that potential that he would have been recognised in the, in the back half of the year. So it'll be interesting to see how the umpires see it and... Um, yeah, I suppose at the end of the day, that's all that really matters, eh? Hey? Yeah, I like to see how Daniel Rich goes as well. I think he had a really, really good year. So I'm, I'm keen to see how the umpires sort of give out the votes, and especially when Brisbane win and if Daniel Rich holds in a few, because I can see he's got a few black dots there. Um, So I'm just keen to yeah. see how it goes as well. Yeah, yeah very leaders, game-dominant player. And I know the umpires get to have a look at the stats as they walk into the room, and I'd imagine that'd be... A stat kind of at front of mind yeah. too. So I'm <clears> glad. Definitely one. I'm glad we're not Sorry. talking about any uh, Brisbane players in contention to win the thing, um, mm. because I reckon that there'd be a, a couple of cheeky Daniel Rich thievery votes. Uh, you know things that should be ones or twos, where that they're the other way around. And um, I'm yeah. having a look in that at that round ten game at the Gabba, the one I was talking about before, and you got the McCluggage at two and Lions at three and. Um, they both had absolute blindness, so I wouldn't be surprised if either of them were the other way around. So, oh, 100%. come that night, it's going to be uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Whether because at that stage, that was when Hugh McCluggage was in that red hot form that everyone was bragging about him, and he was at the front of mind in the media verse the in and under. I'm just going to go do my thing, get my job done, Jared Lyons. So, to really see that flashy umpire thing that we talk about will be interesting come that game. Yeah, well, I've just done a quick count and they've. I've got them polling in six games together. So, you know, like yeah. you said, it could be Clug on one and JL on the other, and it could go either way. So, Do you think – I know this is a different topic of conversation, and uh, taking Lockie Neal out of any team would really jeopardise them, but do you think that on a super coach front, Jared Lyons just would have been close to an automatic pick next year if there was no Lockie Neal? Oh, for sure. I think he should still be an automatic pick. Like, how many times did he go under 100 this year? Probably no more than three. Like, he's just safe as houses. Like, I think next year I'm going to play really conservative with my starting mids. Um, and I think Jared Lyons has to be in your top five for my like, picks because you just know what you're going to get from him every week. Like, bare minimum 100. Um, very rarely does he get injured or suspended. So, the durability there is always um, one thing you always want in super coach. So, I think he's safest houses to be honest it's funny because you'll have more people going to the season with Lockie Neal than you will with Jared Lyons I can guarantee you that as well yeah I think the price yeah. of Lockie Neal might just allure a few more people towards Lockie Neal so yeah it depends on the preseason as well yeah Schmidt is like this is my time to shine it's fucking brown no time boys you <laughs> fucking 
kidding me. All right, the Carlton <laughs> Blues. Now, this is one that I'm, I absolutely love, and I love the fact that you've got this man finishing fourth in your Brownlow this year. Um, yep. And obviously, it's none other than Paddy Cripps, the man who just carried uh, Carlton for the last four <laughs> years. Now, it is Sam Walsh, Bomfers boy. Have a look at that patch, round 15 to 18, and even game 20. For those who owned him in Supercoach, we know how good that was. Uh, I think it was Will who captained him in that round 19 stinker against uh, North Melbourne, and I think I might have screwed him up there. But look at that, 3-3-3, got in the best, and then three again uh, in that game in the best. It wasn't hard to get in Carlton's best that day. I'm almost certain Bumps was in Carlton's best that day for turning up and watching a game of football. Um, but Sam Walsh, how do you think he's going to poll early? Schmitty is probably the better question here, being a second-year footballer, um, or third-year football. What was he now? No, second. Second? Uh, yeah. Third. Third, 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 yeah, third. Jesus, who won Rising Star last year? Uh, uh, that was Matt Rousey. Fuck, I can't even yeah. keep up. Yep, yep. So the year before, third year footballer. Is it time that the umpires are really looking at Sam Walsh, or is his footy doing enough that it doesn't even matter about that? Um, yeah, no, I don't know. Obviously, looking at the numbers that I've given him, it's a slower start. Like obviously, five votes off five games isn't isn't terrible, but. It's hard with Carlton because if they if they were to win, or, or, I'll go out on a limb and say obviously it's hindsight and you, we're never going to know. But if Carlton made finals this year, won twelve games, I reckon we could almost guarantee Sam Walsh would have been the Brit- only medalist. Um, okay. Because that's just my opinion anyway. I just don't think they've won enough games um, for him to really like push it. But if if you look. I've got one. Yeah, one, one, he's, two, three, he's polled three in five, five out of eight games. Yeah, they won they, eight they games, won. and in six of six, them, sorry, he was yeah. their best player. Yeah. Six of eight. Like, that's uh, and that's why I go back to my original point. I think if they won more games, he wins the Brownlow because they had no one else all year. You can literally see only Harry Mackay and uh, Ed Kerno. I've got as two other players who are polling best on ground for them. Um Cripper was obviously out and off. Um, and just to bring attention to the last tab that I have on in the club's best, Sam Walsh was the equal most, uh, how, do I, how do I say, because um, him and Petrarca were in their team's best players the most times and Sam Walsh was in their 21 out of 22 games. So I think um, to Carlton, not to Carlton's detriment, but, as a result of them not winning enough, it's probably held him back from winning the medal. But I think uh, especially that patch from uh, round 15, around whatever it is, round 20, he was just unstoppable. Massive numbers. Even in their close loss to – well, not it wasn't close, 26 points, but um, even in their loss to Geelong, he just dominated that day. So, um, yeah, it's hard to deny the kid. Um, but – yeah, we'll see how that one plays out too. It's a close loss for Carlton, let's face it. Um, <laughs> fuck, a team that's probably going to improve next year. Do we do we go hard on Sam Walsh in the off-season for the Brownlow? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's sort of interesting because, like, although I did say just a minute ago that they didn't win enough games, I think when they start to win enough games, they hopefully going to have a better. Yeah, they're going to have to have a more even spread. And therefore, well, Walsh still dominates, obviously, but, yeah, there's going to be more uh, other players taking votes off him, I think. But 
whereas it wasn't the case this year because they were just same old Carlton, I guess. Having a look at this, is this a best possible uh, best possible scenario for Sam Walsh here? In terms of twenty seven. Do you think, uh, is there any chance that he might snag, you know, one of those twos might become a three, being a losing game? I doubt it. Are we saying that maybe one of those twos could be a one? Mm, you reckon possibly. maybe he could snag a vote in like a Gold Coast game or a GWS game that was close? I'm just trying to remember him. Um... Because the game, is, see what I'm saying is there's a lot of threes on the board. And, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. deserve to be threes because every game they won, he was their, he was their man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's there's obviously every chance. I actually forgot to um, what I normally like to do is look at how many um, games I've got them polling in, which I had until yesterday until I changed a couple of things. But what's that quickly? One, two, three, four, five, six, ten, eleven games I've got in polling. So therefore, that his range could be anywhere between twenty-two and thirty-three. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he's polling in eleven games, he could have eleven best ons, or he could have eleven twos. So. I think uh, 27 sits about right in the middle of that. and But, yeah, if if he obviously doesn't pull threes in all the ones I'm anticipating him, then that drops off another seven votes and has him finishing on 20. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do believe that he'll get the threes, but I think his range is probably 22 to 27. So, yeah. Mm. Um, Royal? Yeah, I, I think Schmidt just bang on there. Like, There's not many other players that look like they're going to take votes off Sam Walsh. Like, in the yesteryears, you would have thought Patrick Cripps, but, you know, he had a well below season. Um, they're flashing the pan sort of players like Matt Kennedy and, and like the things like that. The only types of players that could potentially take votes of him is Harry McCoy when he kicks a few bags. But even then, like, Sam Walsh was head and shoulders above everyone in the Carlton team. So I think 27 is probably the bang on for him. Um, I can't see him getting any more than that. But, yeah, I think 27 is a really good number for him. So, yeah, couldn't agree more. Juicy, juicy for anyone looking at first fours, I can tell you that much. Oh, yeah. Putting Sam Walsh in, puts a little bit of the odds up. It's not too bad. Um, which we will talk about at the end. Over to the pies, Smitty. Over to the pies. And this is yeah. an interesting one because... Um, if you had have asked me before looking at this, who I thought Collingwood's number one vote getter was, I would have said we'd be hard to look past Jack Crisp. Um, but am I getting sucked into super coach form here at a team that only won like five games? And it's almost clearly obvious in those games that we did win, there was one man that was you know influential in all of them, and that's uh, JDG Jordan Degoe. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. Yeah, it pains me to say there's not really much love for Collingwood in the Brownlow this year. Um, obviously, we've had, you know, the likes of Grundy. Um, oh, that's probably it, really, but that's all that really mattered. He was, he was, um, you know, knocking the door down a couple of years ago for a potential Brownlow, but that has obviously dwindled away since then. Uh, yeah, but like you said, um, he was instrumental in all of our wins to go um, except, obviously, the Adelaide win. Did play well in the Carlton win. Um but I think it's probably more the back half year, a back half of the year that will he'll get most of his votes. And um, yeah, I don't know. This it was an even spread, I think, between Collingwood this year. Uh, but obviously, we didn't win all that many games, so it's probably unlikely that we're going to have many players polling in losses. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's not. It's not really a team. Obviously, I'm a biased Collingwood supporter, but it's not really a team that interests me when it comes to Brownlow talk. Because there's just not really much happening. I've only got Dugowie, the only one in double figures. So uh, you could, it just could go anywhere. 
steel side bottom, a man that almost won it two years ago. Two votes for the well, year. true, true, true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot about him. My bad. Um, no, no, no. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, Royal. Yeah, yeah. Like, like like you said, Corey. Like um, in yesteryears, like steel side bottom has been a historically a good. Uh, vote getter in Brownlow Knights. So, yeah, for him to get two votes is obviously shows the underlining season that Collingwood had and obviously the likes of Scott Pendlebury as well. But I think um, since Jordan Ngoi moves into the midfield, like you just saw the impact that he had um, for your team and, and he was instrumental in a few of your wins. So I'll be really surprised if he doesn't play full-time mid next year, especially with the players that you guys are linked with. Um, and uh, I don't think I can see anyone go anywhere close to him. Um, maybe Jack Chris, but then again, like we are probably looking at bit more about super coach rather than probably output in the game. So I think Jordan Ngoi is probably head above, um, going to be the leading points. Uh, so very good for Collingwood. So, yeah. Head yep. across to the baby bombers. And this is one that interests me a lot. It's the Zach Merritt v. Darcy Parish debate. Now, Darcy, 100%. sorry. 100% agree. Uh, the Darcy Parish situation is one to lo and behold. It's, clearly best on in almost every single one of their wins early in the season. And then it was almost Zach Merritt later in the season who who took them. It was a season of two halves, really, and it's funny because I always talk about sectional splits, and Zach Merritt is one of the best finishes at the back end of the year when it comes to Supercoach. So next year, if I don't pick Zach Merritt in the back, of, back end of the year, kick me in the nuts, dead set. Um, <laughs> but Darcy Parrish's form in a lot of those medal wins as well, there's zero chance he's not polling three um, against the Pies, that uh, that is an absolute given. Is how interesting does this get? Is this a situation where two players became that good of midfielders that they might have robbed the other one of a Brownlow chance, or just different players playing better football at better times of the year? Also, if Darcy Parrish is a clear cut favourite against Zach Merritt, should we take it on? at that 23 versus 24 Brownlow Volts, Mark Schmitty? Well, lots to dissect in that question. <laughs> um, but no, I think you pretty much nailed it from the start. It was a, it was a season of two halves for the boys. Um, yeah, just to just to clarify for anyone listening, um, I do automatically give three votes to anyone who wins a medal. So anytime there's a medal available in a game with the player that wins it, I automatically give them the three. I don't argue. Um, so, yeah, that would give Parrish an automatic nine votes. Um, obviously, they lost the Dreamtime game, but uh, from memory, Essendon were into right up to their necks in that game yep. until late. And then uh, – so I think the scoreboard sort of flatters Richmond a little bit. Um, Darcy Parrish was obviously massive in that game and still won the medal. So um, more than happy to give him the three. Um what else did you ask me? Plenty. There was plenty in it. Uh, should we take on the Zach Merritt? If Zach Merritt's like a $3 outside to win Essendon's best, do we take take on Zach Perry, Zach Perry, Darcy Parrish and back Zach Merritt? Yeah, why not? If you if you're if you're a gambling man or a gambling woman and and you love a you know, you love a bit of a challenge or um, you know, something to something to ride until the end, I think Merritt versus Parrish is going to be one of those um and there's absolutely no reason why Merritt can't um, out pole Parish because Parish definitely slowed down towards the end and and Merritt got better if anything as you can see he he was in Essendon's best plays every game in the back half of the year so even uh even some of those games where he was in their best and I don't have him polling he could sneak a one and and therefore that could push him over Parish. Uh, you want to talk about your baby bombers Royal? 
Yeah, I, I feel like this is kind of the scenario where because Parrish's jump was so dramatic, besides the medal winning games, do you think that the umpires might overlook him? You know, those kind of players that have to have that maybe one or two years of real consistent footy um, mm. before the umpires recognise him. I feel like that could be a Darcy Parrish sort of thing as well. Um, again, excluding the, the games that he did win the medals, like the Richmond game, we hit the front late on. So potentially they, they might give him two rather than three because Richmond did win the game. Um, but yeah, then again, like I feel like Zach Merritt, um, you know, very underrated second half of the year. Um, he's always probably our best finisher, as you said, Corey. Um, and I think if I'm putting it with my heart, I think Darcy Parrish probably had the better year because it, it came unexpected out of nowhere. Whereas Zach Merritt was sort of used to it. It's you know he's ultra consistent, um, but I feel like I think Smitty's got it right. I think Parrish will just out um, vote him purely because of those you know three voters that he gets in the medal games. Um, but then again, I feel like the umpires could go the other way because Darcy Parrish is not really a known getter, a vote getter before. Um, you know his jump has been really big, so they might overlook him and say, "Hang on, we might need to give you a year or two before we sort of recognise um, you know your performances." So I think Zach Merritt will get more votes, but I wouldn't be surprised if Parrish gets more, to be honest. Yeah, that, and that's the thing too. Like just to go back on what Corey asked about taking on that head-to-head bet, I'm not sure what the odds are and even if it would be worth having a dabble in. But um, mm. I think when you look at how I've polled Parrish and Merritt, I think there's more scope for Parrish to potentially poll less than what I've got him on and Merritt to poll more than what I've got him on. So, um, yeah, it really just boils down to... Again, how how the umpires sort of see it, and and yeah, whether or not they uh, just pretty much call a spade a spade and give the best on to the player that was best on, or whether or not they, you know, sort of just go, oh, okay, that wasn't a bad game, but yeah, like so and so is consistently good, and therefore they're always sort of catching our eye, and and merit maybe gets a nod ahead of him or something like that. Yeah, and I think that also the when we started getting. So when Paris started getting a bit of attention, especially with tags as well, like I feel like Merritt was sort of had the ability to handle a tag better. So that might hinder his opportunity to get um, some more votes as well. So those kind of games where like it's neck and neck between Paris and Merritt, they might sort of lean towards um, Zach Merritt because his influence might be more of better than probably Parrish. So yeah, it's, it's a real tough one to pick between them two. Um, but yeah, I, I like the Jake Stringer as well. Like, to get 13 votes, I think he was pretty good at the back end of the year as well. Yeah. And definitely won a couple of those games off his own boot too. Oh, for um, sure. Yep. Um, yeah, look, that's it. This is The next team's an interesting one. As you two were just rambling on there, I was having a look at this. And again, one of those <laughs> ones you come in here and you ask me who Frio's number one vote getter is going to be this year. I would have said Brayshaw, um, only purely because I didn't think five played as many games as he actually did. Looking, looking at this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then having a look down, and it's a man that I think seriously had a very, very underrated season over here in David Mundy. And I don't know if I just forgot about him because it's Mundy. And, uh, but you've got Mundy on 16 votes and Brayshaw on 12, Fife on 10 here, Schmitty. And I really yeah. like it because I do remember how influential he was at the start of the season, especially in their wins too. Um, this could be a market that is very, very interesting when it first opens up. Um, at the moment, Sportsbet don't have the individual teams. They've only got the total overvotes. Um, so, yeah, I do like this, and I think uh, David Mundy might offer a little bit of value closer to the night. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's obviously, his season for a, for a veteran was was a great year. Um, 
yeah, well, featured heavily in their early wins, like you mentioned. Uh, I think the thing is, too, I think I've noticed over uh, looking at some of the other predictors, which we'll get to a bit later, I, I, I feel like I've maybe undervalued Monday, and I think maybe 16 votes is a little bit under as well. So um, comparing him to Brayshaw, who obviously had a great year, um, I think even though I've only got Monday narrowly out polling him, I think the gap might be even a bit more. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting when those markets open to see the odds and and how that is how that's ranked. Yeah, how close or how far apart we are. Mm. Yeah. Um, anything to add, Royal? Yeah, well, you talk about a player that gets better with age, Corey, and I think the perfect example is David Mundy. Like the fact that he was going on like 36, 37 years old, and he's still having the input that he has um, in that Fremantle midfield just shows what an ultimate professional he is. And, yeah, like you said, if, if I had to have a look prior to Schmidt's spreadsheet, like who would probably get the most votes for free money, you would have probably leaned towards Andy Brayshaw. Um, but then again, like you just sort of just bypass how good David Mundy was. And um, for him to finish in the top 10 would be um, real you know, real credit to his season um, and probably justice because um, I really reckon he was underrated this season. And, and like you said, Schmitty, I reckon he could probably get a bit more than 16. He could probably get that 18, 19 sort of vote getters um, mark. So it'll be interesting to see when that market does open up um, what he'll be uh, odds-wise to, to take out Fremantle's most votes. Yeah, and we can all probably just agree that Luke Ryan's a dick. <laughs> we probably can yeah um head across to the cats down at the cattery this is there is shit all over here there are marks there are threes there are twos they are a very 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 well spread team yeah. schmitty you've got cam guthrie as the number one geelong man on 20 votes surprisingly enough we do not have another geelong player over 10 votes in this team as spread as a lot of these threes are you know we've got salwood Parfit's got a couple of threes in there as well. Uh, close with a couple of... Th- oh, sorry, Jeremy Cameron, not Brad Close. Apologies there. Um, Duncan, <laughs> Guthrie, Dangerfield. This is extraordinary. Now, Mitch Duncan, we all know how good his Supercoach season was. We know how good a lot of his purple patch form was. Um, where was the Geelong situation at? Where, where are you kind of sitting with the Geelong boys? Yeah, I think... Um... I've noticed over the last two years of doing this that there are just there are just some teams who uh, Richmond's the other one. I may as well get to it now. Richmond are the other one who I feel like haven't had a standout. Like obviously they've had Dusty win Brownlows and all that shit, but like they're they're spread and and it's almost a testament to them as a team. You know they've obviously made a prelim without having one standout player because. Uh, you know, from any given week, it can be a Menegola who who has 25 and kicks two and, you know, has to, has to be considered for votes. Or Tom Stewart, you know, having 10 intercept marks and 25 touches or bloody Danger, you know, doing what Danger does. Like, they just haven't had one guy all year. They've just – and it, it is a credit to them, really, and it's, a, it's half the reason why they've made the prelim. They're just such a experienced, well-drilled side. And obviously um, – you know, they bailed out the week before the big one. But, yeah, it's because they've just got such an even team and it reflects in their Brownlow voting, I think. Royal? Yeah, I think bang on. Like, I think Cam Guthrie was um, head above Bobby Geelong's best. And like you guys have said, like, they're even spread 
some contribution throughout their team, especially their midfield, probably underlines why there's not many players that have got more than 10 votes in this team um, because they have such an even contribution. And any given day, um, one player can be the best, whether, whether it be Mitch Duncan, whether it be Menegola, whether it be Guthrie, whether it be Danger Selwood. So um, it does go evenly around, and hence why there's probably a really good even spread um, around, the, around the board there. It's going to be an interesting team to talk about next year, Supercoach-wise, I think, as well. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, defensive um, sort of position as well, you'd probably be a lock in most teams, I'd say. Well, he's not going to get defended next year. Well, I'd hope so, but I don't think... Yeah, no, I don't think... I don't think just say, who'd you say? Duncan. I mean, Duncan. Yeah, I'd, I'd say... Duncan, Duncan defender and Supercoach. I'm pretty sure only other than finals was the only time he was really behind the wall. I don't think he'll get... Uh, I don't Holy, think. that would be something. That would yeah. be good. Yeah, it, would be a, it would be a lock. It wouldn't even be a question. It would be an absolute lock. Um, more importantly... Do, 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 head across to the Gold Coast Suns. <laughs> Expected to say a little bit more of uh, T. Miller's name, but clearly in every single win, the best player on the ground. Tookie, Tookie, Took 24. Is Took one of those players that could just poll ones in a couple of these losses? That North Melbourne game, um, you know, games where they get done. Umpires look at a player like Took in and around the ball. Do you reckon he, he, he could score more? I remember that game down at Mars Stadium. Him and freaking, was it McRae in that game where they both just went head to head and touched the ball uh... that 700 times? Bulldogs, yeah, I think so. <clears throat> yeah, so yeah, yeah, Took. Oh, um, yeah, so I find it, I've found it very difficult this year with Took Miller. Um, he was obviously enormous for most of it, but I, I find it hard to give players votes when their team loses so heavily. Um, you know, the Melbourne game, you can see in round twenty. They've lost by 98 points, and I've given him one, but I really tossed up whether or not to even give it to him. But you just look at his, you just look at his stats, and I try not to get too caught up in the numbers. But admittedly, like I'll look at them, and you just can't ignore them. I know the umpires may or may not. I, I don't know what their what their process is, but you know, if if they got the opportunity to have a quick glance at stats, whether it's whether it's not they sit there and they actually look at them before they vote or walking off the ground and looking up at the big screen and seeing, you know, whatever graphics they've put up there. I think I just, you just can't deny him. Um, but in saying that he's not alone, I, I had trouble with Jack Steele a couple of times too, where his numbers were massive and saints have had a heavy loss and I just couldn't not give them votes. So I don't know. Um, it's yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Just, Choking on my drink there. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, couldn't uh, just couldn't split him. I uh, split them when it comes to those big losses, and I don't know. Oh no, I've got. I've seen some predictors that have got took on a bit higher than I. Um, not no one on anything lower, but it's just hard. It's a, it's a little bit Sam Walsh all over again. Just Gold Coast losing doesn't help his case. It's it's really just hard to see how the umpires um, view him and. You know, as we've touched on a few times, he's he's one who hasn't had those years of polling well behind him either. So, you know, if we're going to use that as an excuse for other players, then we probably need to apply it to Took as well, even though we can all admit how great he was this year. Absolutely insane. Going to be an interesting one in Supercoach next year. I think, he's, I think his percentage will actually be a little bit higher um, than a couple, if, a couple of other players, if they had done the same thing, I think there's a lot of love for Took Miller, and, a, and I think he was he's a very very good footballer and a top bloke as well. But Royal, 
What do you think about the Gold Coast Suns? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll harp on again like Jared Lyons. I put took Miller sort of in the same boat. Um, is he going to be really underrated um, and sort of unappreciated on Brownlow night um, by the umpires? I, I do believe so, and especially like you guys have said, in their losses, um, to, does he get any votes? Probably. Um, I would personally would, but again, the umpires might see it a bit differently. Um, but then again, like we have to obviously put our hats out and say, like he's had an unbelievable season stats-wise and, and super coach wise um, But then again, that doesn't obviously go into the umpires' thinking, but um, I'd say he's probably the shortest favourite to win a club's, you know, most votes, probably well, no more than a dollar five, to be honest. Like he was. I don't up. even think they have a market for him, to be yeah. honest. I no, think it's that right. short. They just have, really have a market for him. They'll have Gold Coast yeah, without probably right. You're, you're right. Um, then again, like like you guys have said, those games that he gets those one voters, um, especially when they lose, is probably going to be the difference between him probably getting more than 20 votes or not. And it's a real shame that he was, you know, ruled ineligible for the Brownlow this year because um, it would have been really good to see someone like him. And, and again, um, for him to finish in the top 10 would be a pretty good um, effort despite um, Gold Coast, you know, not winning many games this year. Fantastic player. Pick, I think, 31. You know, drafted not too, not too many moons ago and um, just a hard knock. So he's, he's a very, very good player, Took Miller. And yeah, and very loyal as well. Does. Very loyal. Sorry? And very loyal as well. He said that he wants to stay at the club. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I could do. yeah. Great asset for the Gold Coast Suns and something that you want to hear coming out of there. The Hawthorne Football Club, ladies and gentlemen. T. Mitchell, 3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3. 23 votes in for a man that probably almost, say, coming back to win his best football after, you know, long injuries off and, you know, that the back end of the year last year and things like that. Um, this is another one that's going to be pretty one-sided for his club. Uh, Schmitty is... Titch, can he finish, or is he a lock for top ten? Can he can he take anything other other than by surprise? Can he finish higher? Could he be a sneak if he top five? What's that? What's the thoughts on Titch? Uh, yeah, before I go on with Hawks, if we are going in alphabetical order, oh, I think shit. we might Sorry, have skipped you know, the Giants. My, you know, but... my problem is I went down to what? the Giants beforehand and then I went straight to Hawks. <laughs> That's all right. No, we will, we will, we'll go to GWS first because this is another one where there's threes all over the table uh, and very, very interesting. This is a close count. Uh, 19 uh, for, is that... Yeah, Josh, Josh Kelly. Kelly and Hopper on yep. 15, which is a yep. yeah, bit of a sneaky there. Let's have a chat about uh, the Giants. I'm I'm a massive fan of Josh uh, Josh Kelly and Jacob Hopper. I was going to say Hopper first, but I'm a fan of both. Um, yeah, I think he's criminally underrated, Jacob Hopper. He, we've been talking about those inside um, types who are probably not going to get the love that they deserve, and uh, I could see that happening with Jacob Hopper um, and you know someone like a Taranto, who, as we can see, featured in their best players quite a lot. Um, I could see Hopper not getting that love, but... Look, from the way I saw it, I'll just call it how I see it. I'm not going to, you know, try and fabricate something that's not. I just call it down the line. And um, I honestly believe that he had a great year. Thought he, And I think he got recognised in the squad of 40, did he not? Hopper? Yes. No idea. I feel like he might have been in the squad of 40 and um, for the AA, obviously didn't make the team. So, uh, yeah, I feel like that justifies my uh, tally there for him. Other than um, Hopper, Kelly obviously has that very friendly, noticeable Brownlow game, um, you know, metres game, run and carry, long kicking, um, kick goals this year too. So 
I think that uh, yeah, he stands out quite a bit and will probably be their um, their number one vote getter. Uh, other than Hopper and Kelly, like I said, Taranto he was in their best quite a bit. Um, but outside of them, I don't really think there's much else that can really make a case for either polling the most or none of their players will feature probably in the top 10, I wouldn't think. Uh, so, yeah, they're probably a bit irrelevant. But obviously when it comes to club-by-club club markets, there's still something to be thought about. Mm. I thought Tim Taranto would have had a couple of more yeah. games polled in, especially earlier. But uh... Yeah, look, admittedly, I probably overlooked him. Um, he's just not really a player that catches my eye, so to speak. Um, yeah, look, I could be I could be well off on him and, and it could be uh, – Taranto polling those votes that it's, I've got Hopper it's polling. that so. I could have my Supercoach goggles on because I know, <laughs> obviously, early in the season, having Tim Taranto, Tim Taranto was the one that you got right. You know, you a lot of people either went Taranto or Cripper. And if you went yeah. Taranto early, it was the right call because he was fucking putting up tons every week at that price and yeah. it looked good. So there is a good chance that I've just got Supercoach goggles on there, uh, Schmini. So. Oh, every, every chance. But like I said, it, I could honestly be giving the votes that Torino deserves to Hopper as well. So, yeah, could go either way. Yeah. 100% agree. Um, yeah, boys, to, to think about um, Hopper, like I think he's one of the most underrated players. And to answer your question, Shmini, he did make the All-Australian squad. So yeah, I thought so. It's a good um, thing to see that those kind of players are getting recognised. And if there's one player in the AFL that I love him in my club, it's, it's Jacob Hopper, number one, to be honest. And yeah, Sorry, just to cut you off, didn't we weren't, we yeah. linked, weren't Collingwood linked with him a couple of years ago? You um, play uh, teams Essendon, Carlton, yeah. and I've, heard, I've only ever heard Geelong being linked to him. To be honest, yeah, he'd be a really good player. I think he's actually yeah. I think I feel like if he was in a Victorian club, he would get a lot more recognition. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, Schmidt, just the, the one game that's probably standing out for me is that Richmond game where he kicked four goals to Ranto. I'm, yeah. interested to see, I'm interested to see if he will get the three votes in that game. Almost did cost me in the uh, Supercoach uh, game there in the uh, finals for the. Uh, <laughs> so that, that was one game I, I remember vaguely. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see that. And again, Toby Green, again, I know he doesn't have the, the most love by the umpires to see him getting eight votes there. I'd like to see if he can get anything over 10 votes. So, again, I think Kelly, bang on, probably right. I think he was probably GWS's best player. And again, he's one of my favorite players as well. But, yeah, yeah to see what. How Taranto and, and Green go on the night are probably the two things that I'm looking forward Was to seeing. Was this one of the harder teams to do, Schmidty, after every game? Um, not really, um, because yeah, like like we can see with the with the number at the end in the votes polled section, it only really seemed to be three. And if it was anyone else, it was pretty obvious that it was them. Yeah. Um, I just want to point out too what you were just saying, Royal, about the three and the two between Kelly and Taranto in that Richmond win. Uh, just looking at the odds. In sport on sports bet for the three votes for that game, they've got Kelly and Taranto tied at a dollar ninety. So yeah, it really is a, it really is a flip of the coin over you who's sure? going to get it. And you know what? That's funny because I'll I'll probably have a little bit of dabble on Taranto in that game because umpires tend to go the goal kickers, especially if they're goal kicking midfielders in in yeah. quotation marks. And um, yeah, that'll be a very interesting one. That'll be one of those ones. And you know the worst part about it is it's late in the season. Mm. Irrelevant game, two teams that aren't in it. You know that it'll get skipped. It'll be GWS Richmond. Yeah, votes, yeah. votes, three votes. <laughs> I uh... just think any time a player has thirty-two disposals and eleven tackles, it's it's 
making a fair case. But yeah, yeah like obviously, um, Torino's first half in that game too probably set them up for that win. So it wouldn't surprise me if he takes that three. Yeah. That's where I was leaning towards. Like I think when the game was there to be won, Toronto kicked four goals early and sort of just killed any hope Richmond had in that game. I remember yeah. the game like it was yesterday, uh, simply on the fact that um, I my leg in the same game multi was Toronto to have thirty part plus, and I got absolutely <laughs> roasted for not taking the four goals instead. So I won't forget that game anytime soon. Um, now we can go across to the Hawks, Timmy Bitch. Yeah, let's get there. Plain and obvious, I think here. Two draws on the year. What the fuck? Yeah, I know. Well, that like that last draw shouldn't have even been, but uh, That's right. it is what it is. Yeah. Um, um, was this even round one as well? Oh god. Was this one, one of the the easier ones to do? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't all that difficult. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was probably harder actually to try and work out who was second and you know getting the two and the one for most of their games. To be honest. Um, because probably towards the end, I didn't actually see a lot of Hawthorne. Um, I was probably relying more on, you know, you guys in the chat and a few other mates to sort of give me the, not their, not the inside word, but just their opinions on what they saw. But, yeah, like obviously when Titch stands out, Titch stands out, and it, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out that he was best on ground. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm just having a quick look and... Uh, obviously, you've got Wingard there, who in those last four games was nearly their best player of the whole month, and that actually, ironically, I'm I'm pretty sure, came directly after the week where he got slammed in the media for being a bit demonstrative with one of his teammates, and um, I think it might have been Kaziski or something that he argued yeah. with in that Adelaide game, and they and they lost, and and you know everyone was questioning whether or not he needs to pull his head in, and obviously he's come out in his last month pretty much spoke for itself. So I don't know if you're looking for um, if there's a, like a, a Hawthorne without Mitchell market, um, you know, I'm, I'm not overly confident in O'Meara being second, but um, if you're going to get on Wingard, I think you're pretty much hoping for a flurry right at the end to, you know, steal their most votes. Uh, which you've got three, two, two, two. So you'd probably need to snag another game randomly along the year. eh? Yeah, and and have to be spot on too in those last four games. So, yeah, uh, Chad Wingard is the definition of a flog. <laughs> um, Royal. Yeah, there's not much me to add. Like, yeah, Titch is clearly above the best player in that Hawks um, Brownlow prediction there. So, yeah, there's not much for me to add there. Besides Wingard's last month, there's not much else to talk about really. Yeah, agree. They're a pretty batshit boring team to talk about on Brownlow night because you know exactly where it's going. The <laughs> Melbourne Demons. Now, this is a grouse little head-to-head. Clayton Oliver, Christian Petrarca, my lordy lord. Three, three, threes absolutely everywhere. It's funny Ooh. because other than those th- other than those two, think about how many games they won and how many games they would have polled in. You've only got three other players polling three votes for the whole year in winning games. Yeah. In winning yeah. games. They lost four games for the season. So this is bloody as interesting as you can get um, ever. Now, Schmitty, run us through this. This would have been a difficult team to do, surely. Yeah, this was difficult. Um, not a difficult team, just a difficult decision most weeks between Oliver and Track, really, who who was their best player. Um I got to a point, I can't remember when it was, but I, I thought maybe I was getting a bit carried away with Oliver. Um, but after speaking to Wilbur, 
now yep. resident Melbourne supporter. He, uh, he, what's the word I'm looking for? Clarified? <laughs> yeah, he yeah. Cla- not clarified, but confirmed. But just confirmed, yeah. yeah, confirmed to me that I wasn't getting too carried away, and that and that he definitely agreed with sort of where I had him. Um, but in the back half of the year, I think track probably just outdoes uh, Oliver. But Oliver definitely, that's not to say Oliver uh, dropped off or anything like that. But, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one because I didn't really have, um, as you can see, I had only Petrarca on 10 at the bye. And then he's come home with 16 votes in the last nine games. So um, I think that might be as many as anyone really in the, in the last nine. I think you can get that market too, to be honest. Where do, where do they draw the line? Uh, I think you can get a front end and a back end. It's, I think it might be the last eight, first eight games, last eight, first ten, last ten kind of yeah, markets. Okay. So yeah, well, I reckon if you if you're interested, um, seeing what track pays in the in the back ten might be something worth looking at because he's in their best players every week. They only lose two games. Um, yeah, that could be anything. Those two. Um, I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as close as track uh, not track um, Parish and Zeret and I don't think um, oh there was another one I was thinking of but no Parish and Zeret I think that's going to be a closer race than Oliver and track um, I think Oliver wins it I'll may as well put the spoiler out there now everyone can probably see by the total votes polled thirty four that that's going to be high up on the leaderboard um, only Oliver Walsh and there's one more who did I have oh Parish I think have a stretch of getting three best ons in a row. Um, that Adelaide loss was obviously a contentious one, and it was only by point. But that was the game that he kicked three, had thirty five, scored two hundred super coach points. There's no way he's not polling best on ground in that game. So yeah, it's funny. This, this is probably the most intriguing. He's one of those players too that in a lot of these games where you've got him for one, I wouldn't be surprised to be polled two as well. Mm. That doggies game. He was arguably close to one of the best players on the ground in that game. They just got done by the better team. Obviously, McRae uh, touched the ball about 400 times, so yeah. that didn't help as well. Though I remember those two just basically going head-to-head for the whole game, so I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if that was two um, yeah. as well there. It, it's going to be... Melbourne are going to be a very interesting team come Brownlow night, and I would love nothing more than to see Clayton Oliver win the Brownlow. Yeah, me too. He cops, he's, a, he's lot of, he cops a lot of slack, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, look, he's a he's a white line fever kind of guy. I've met him outside of the um, yeah the four walls. Um, four squares, as he says. Pardon? Four squares, as he says. Yeah, there you go. And uh, <laughs> he's actually a top bloke. So um, I I would honestly, other than Jack Steele, I don't think I'd rather anyone else in that top kind of echelon to be standing up there. Um, come yeah. the end of the vote, Captain. It would be a great way to top off an absolutely outstanding season. Yeah, um, I think um, I'm, I've been on Melbourne all year, um, hoping they can sweep everything. Hope they can win the flag. Hope Clary wins the norm. I'm uh, not the norm. The well, possibly the norm, but you know the Brownlow. Any D's player to win the norm, and um, what's the other one? The oh no, they can't win the common. Mackay won that so fucking. But whatever. Is there a Brownlow Norm Smith double market? Possibly. Haven't looked. Well, Surely you can multi them up though. I'll, I'll, I'll have a look as uh, Royal talks about Melbourne. Yeah, like, um, Shmi, well, you've got three games between Clary and, and Track going three and two. It's just really going to be interesting that how they go between those three and twos, like how that ends up on the leaderboard um, come Brownlow night. 
Um, like you said, it could be a flip of the coin, and I'm sure there was a few of those games where you sort of flipped between the three and twos between Track and, and Oliver. And like you feel like Oliver is a more consistent player and probably doesn't maybe get the recognition is more because Track is that more you know unique sort of ball, and you know he's more of a sort of player that you look to play um, footy with because you know he's real like out there and sort of. You know, he's a real sexy sort of player, whereas, you know, Clayton Oliver's that inside, you know, sort of bull that, you know, it's not really like that kind of player that you want to sort of be become because, yeah. you know, Trax is, he's just a special kind of player. But, like, in terms of players wanting to win the Brownlow and, and deserving a Brownlow, I don't think there's anyone more than Clayton Oliver that probably deserves it. Um, yeah. It's really interesting to see how it goes with those three and two votes. And, again, um, like you guys have said, where Clayton gets one and, and, and also Track. Whether they get the twos, whether they miss out on votes altogether, it's going to be really uh, interesting. But like you said, I think the parish and merit's going to be a real tight race. But I think, you know, just equally as intriguing, Oliver and Track are going to be real um, good head to head. And, and they're going to probably feature in a lot of people's multis and, and mm-hmm. on, on Brownlow night. So it's interesting yeah. to see them both finish in the top five. And um, they'll be real juicy to see if those. Yeah, absolutely. I, I Like you just said, I could definitely see them both finishing top five. And yeah. I really, really hope that. Um, them taking or both polling well doesn't mean that neither of them wins because um, I would like track I'd love to see track win it too don't think he will but yeah um, if, if he does poll those votes that I've got Oliver polling then um, you know he could he could be a sneaky a smoky so um yeah and it'd be a real shame if track does get those votes the threes instead of the twos and sort of and, and Oliver loses by under like you know two or three votes and and it, and it is, you know, sad as it sounds, like it could cost his team out of Brownlow. But, you know, hopefully, in, in argument's sake, like you've got here on the votes here, that, you know, Oliver does um, poll pretty higher. And, and same with track. And, you know, one of them can at least hold that um, Brownlow mill around their necks. Yeah. And it, it's a bit like, like I said it, um, a bit earlier when we were doing Carlton, Petrucca was in Melbourne's best players 21 times. There was only one game where he didn't get in their best, and that was in round three. Um, and in that in that stretch where I've got Oliver being best on ground in the three uh, well three wins and that close loss like I've got track not polling a vote in those three wins over that four week period so you know if he if he polls there and then and gets to three ahead of Oliver in a couple of you know games and there's every chance he knocks Oliver off but um yeah we'll we'll see this this is probably the head to head I'm looking most forward to yeah do you think Gorney could sneak a bit more than twelve votes come Brownlow night as well. Um, nah. possibly, but I don't, I, I don't think so. I think, remember that year, I think 12. that year, the Ruckman year, where Grundy and Gorn were meant yeah. to absolutely annihilate the votes and <laughs> neither of them were even near it. So yeah. I just yeah. I just think that the, the Ruckman, I mean, the umpires don't look at the Rucks and that's just as, as factual as it kind of gets, really. Yeah, Sad. look, if you, if, you look at, if you look at the games where he's been in their best players, there's one, two, three losses. So, you know, that you can rule probably votes out in those three. Um, there's one draw, and I don't have a Melbourne player being the best player on the ground in that draw because that was probably – even though it was a draw, they've lost to Haw- – they've drawn with Hawthorne. So I think that sort of suggests that Melbourne would probably below par. No disrespect to Hawthorne, but, yeah. you know, that probably means that if, if, if Hawthorne have drawn with, you know, the grand finalist, that it's probably because one of their players was – playing out of their skin. Um, yeah, I just don't really see much more scope for him to poll anything more than 15. So, uh, 28 to 1 you're getting on uh, on the double for the Norm Smith and Brownlow medal. Clary, oh, Clary. Yeah. 
You just got more than me. I just got 26, 25 for I, that. I, for probably, that I probably, because I put it on, I probably oh, yeah. backed it and brought odds in. <laughs> well, I could have power played it for 28, yeah. but I took it at 26. I think I, that, I, think I did power play it, so that's... Uh, yeah, Clari- Clary at 375 into Clary at 7. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah I like that too. Um, it's not too bad. <clears throat> Um, heading across to North Melbourne, and there's not too much here. I've just got to jump off for one second, uh, boys. I'll be yep. back in a quick second. So uh, yeah. you two run this for me. Cool, cool. All right, well, yeah, North Melbourne, here we go. There's oh, Here's another pretty irrelevant team, I guess, when it comes to Brownlows, but I suppose we need to cover them anyway because, again, there's always those head-to-head markets and, and most, uh, most votes for each club. Um, I really rated the year of Jai Simkin. I thought, um, I thought it was a good growth year for him north obviously had a poor season up until they snatched their first game which um ironically i've got him being their best player in uh the back half of the year was more promising and um you can see that he was in their best players all but twice um you know two losses there so sorry no you're good two losses uh, against top four sides where he probably where he wasn't in their best players but um yeah, the one that I, I always find it hard to split him and Cunnington. Um, but like I said, I think it was a great growth year for Simkin. Really, hopefully, going to elevate himself next year because um, he was he was decent in 2020. Uh, again, built built up again this year, and I think um, I've got him being their number one vote getter. Uh, Aaron Hall obviously has a very Super coach friendly game, you know, like I described with Josh Kelly, they're running carry, long kicking, um, and and the way North played out at half back this year, where they were literally looking for him or looking for Zebel, um, it's hard to ignore him because he was just getting thirty plus every week. Uh, so anytime a, a player gets that much of the ball, it's, it's hard to it's hard to not be remembered. Um, but yeah, so I think Simpkin uh, wouldn't be surprised if it's Cunnington, just not. Sure, he played all that all enough games. I think. Um, not sure if he missed the patch at the start, but he definitely missed that patch at the end um, with his testicular thing that he had going on. So, uh, yeah, what do you think, Royal? Yeah, look, I think you've nailed it on there. Like, I think someone I was going to bring up was Aaron Hall. Um, for someone who didn't own him in Supercoach, I always had a, a keen eye on him because my opponents normally had him. So, <laughs> I'll be interested to see if he does poll more than the four that you've got. And like you said, like. He was sort of that guy that um, that quarterback that um, North Melbourne looked at. Like they always wanted to go through him, so he would be interesting instrumental in their wins. So the fact that they've only won three games and um, I don't see that he's gotten a vote in any of those games. So it'll be interesting to see if he can poll maybe one or two in those games. Um, yeah, I think Jai Simpkins a, a really interesting player. Like he's someone that I really like and rate. Um, I think he's going to be the real next big thing. Um, coming out of North Melbourne. So for him to get um, 11 votes is probably bang on there. Um, and, and like you said, like, it was just real hard to see who, um, besides probably a Ben Cunnington, could have polled for North Melbourne. Like, you know, Todd Goldstein's been a real good warrior for um, the North Melbourne footy club. I, I really liked Jaden Stevenson. He had a few good games this year. Um, but other than that, there's not really a lot of players that are sort of stand out um, that could take votes. Like, you know, LDU, probably another player that might have got a few votes. But again... It's hard when they don't win many games, but other than that, like there's not much going on at North Melbourne in terms of, you know, relevance for the Brownlow or, or any sort of multis that go in um, to your Brownlows as well. So, yeah. yeah, for sure. I think the only me personally, the way I 
sort of bet with you know using all of this information is just trying to take it 18 league multi and um just trying to pick like obviously i'm just going to go with what i've come up with so simkin will be in there at whatever odds he is as as most votes for north for me but if i was a north fan and this isn't exactly brownlow related but if i was a north fan i'd be genuinely excited i think um you know, 2020 plus the first half of 2021, they won maybe like one or two games out of about 30 starts. But yeah. their second half of the year, man, uh, look, they got so many kids that I'm really keen on, like LDU, Simkin. I think I'm really, I'm really a big fan of, um, and I think this is probably as a result of Craig McRae being appointed Collingwood's coach. I'm really a big fan of seeing players who are in that 23 to 25 bracket really take a hold of their club and and set the standard and I think Jai Simkin can be that guy. I, I don't know I don't know what his like leadership material is like uh yeah what his leadership qualities are like or if his leadership material but he's he's the sort of guy who I just could could be a star if he wanted to be. And so and when when he's surrounded by LDU and Will Phillips who's obviously a, a top end draft pick and um Taron Thomas who I'm super keen on that kid is going to be so good. Um yeah, I don't know how you can't be excited as a North fan. They've got lots yeah. of kids coming through. Exactly. Then you add the likes of the Jed Andersons and the Ben Cunningtons as well. Like, yeah. Like yeah. Real, they've really got a really good blend, and they, they might be getting a few recruits as well. Like, they've obviously got the number one draft pick, and yeah. Jones has been linked to them. So it is exciting times for North Melbourne. Like, I, I feel like they can bounce back pretty quickly, uh, definitely. Yeah, and before we move on, I can't disrespect Tom Powell, obviously, either. He was oh, yeah. he was great early on, and um, he's just going to be another one of their support, as a, another one of their young crew, who hopefully takes the next step for them. Yeah, sure. as long as they develop. I mean, this this has been, always been Yeah, the well, that's always the problem. Yeah. It's, we've got this, we've got that, we've got this, we've got that, but then their players yeah. don't take the next step. Yeah. Um, so they really need someone to start doing that, essentially, this year. Uh, not this year, but you know this time around, and I think they can. I think they're, I think they're a great young team. I think they've got the right balance now. I think the problem with North over the last couple of years, they didn't have a lot of those real leaders that could lead them to the next way. Whereas they've got a fantastic yeah. coach in there. Brad Scott was great, but when Brad Scott kind of went out the door, there wasn't much after that. Um, yeah. And I think with the likes of uh, Ben Cunnington, um, and especially Zebel leading them, I think they're, they're, they're kind of in the right stead. And don't... One thing they've got to remember, and I think this has helped with the emergence of Jai Simpkin, um, you know, t- uh, Taron Thomas playing a little bit better forward, is... They got to not overhype players. I mean, I think Cam mm-hmm. Zerha is the mo- was the most overhyped player in the AFL at one stage. Yeah, like yeah. The- I think Lucky had a better year. To be honest, if you Lucky's oh, sure. yeah. a gun, but that's what yeah. I mean. So don't yeah. overrate Cam Zerha on that front. Oh, but, for sure. Uh, yeah, this is a Brownlow podcast, not let's everyone shit on North Melbourne podcast. So I'll move on from there. <laughs> uh, Port Adelaide. Now this is a mm. interesting read, and we will get to it when we get to the Brownlow comparison, which I'm really looking forward to. Yep. The Port Power. I mean, this would be. I think this would be such a hard team to do. Um, T Boak, have a look at that. When he polls, he polls absolutely amazing. Ollie Wines ain't too much different. Power, not a notoriously loved team when it comes to the Brownlow either. Um, as weird as that is, I, I don't know if it's got to do with that uh, interstate factor or, or or whatnot, or if they're just a team that plays well together, whatever it is. But uh, Schmitty, let's go on Port. Yeah, so um, just briefly looking, obviously I've had a lot of time to study this, but I haven't. Um, it's the same as Melbourne. Um, it's Wines and Boak 
polling most of their threes, and then it's only Butters, Amon, and Alir um, taking a best on ground. So three other players polling a best on ground, other than the two main ones. Um, yeah, I just I don't think uh, either will poll as highly as Oliver or Petraka. Um, like you said, we'll get to some Brownlow comparisons later, but I think I've got wines relatively. <sighs> I found wines very hard to assess. I've, compared to other Brownlow predictors, I um, have been, maybe given him votes when they haven't and then haven't given him votes when they have. So he's not one I'm overly confident on. I know I know the odds suggest that he's the favourite, but I, yeah, I honestly don't feel like he is. Um, you know, again, it's just one man's opinion. Uh, I know some have got him higher, some have got him drastically lower. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I've probably hit the middle ground, and I'm, I'm again, I'm not overly confident where I've got him, but it it's not completely wild, so we'll see. Boke, you think going to steal a lot off him, or? Um, well, yeah, well, you would just from looking at how I called it on the on the week. Um, Maybe maybe that's just because I'm more boke inclined. I guess I'm not really sure. I don't. I, again, like I said earlier, I try not to apply any sort of bias. I don't just go, oh yeah, I'll, I'll I prefer boke over wine. So I'll just give boke three and and wines two because I don't like Holly wines. Like there's no point doing a brownlow predictor if you're just going to give your favourite guy the most votes. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, obviously looking back in hindsight, I can't remember all of these games as they played out, but. Yeah, it's it's pretty apparent that uh, that I um rate Boke and obviously rate Wines too. I've got them polling three votes in the exact same amount of games, so um, could go either way. Yeah, look, I'm not going to disagree with you because I think the umpires genuinely tend to um probably biased isn't the word, but I, th- I think Boke genuinely is that more umpire focused player out of the two. Mm. And whether that's going to change yeah. now that Ollie is becoming a man and. Um, and like I don't mean that in any disrespectful way, but I think um Ollie Wines has really developed into his body over the last probably two years and yeah. uh, becoming a tremendous footballer. And, um, yeah, unless they start changing, then yeah, yeah, well that's I, it. I and... agree. Ollie Wines wasn't a player that I really had on my Brownlow radar until no. real late in the piece. And it's funny because having a look at your spreadsheet, he's not even polling that well in the last you know, four to three games. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. an interesting look that, and um, yeah, well, one exactly. of those ones that I wouldn't be surprised who's so high up there that if it come to that night that it didn't really feature. Yeah, no, and I wouldn't either. I'm just, I'm genuinely shocked to see him as the favorite. Like, um, like I said, some Brownlow predictors have got him higher than I do in terms of, total votes um, and therefore position. But I've also seen Brownlow predictors that have Boke out polling wines by about six or seven votes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, who, who's who's right, who's wrong, we'll find out on Brownlow night, but we can't all be right because we've all got different results. Yep. Uh, uh, Royal? Yeah, I, I'm really fascinated to see how Ollie Wines goes Brownlow night. Like, bypassing the obvious, like, whoever takes out the Brownlow medal. But I'm going to have a keen eye on Ollie Wines because – we talk about players that you might be overlooked in terms of votes. I feel like Ollie Wines could be in that um, sort of category again. Um, I, I rate Travis Spoke tremendously highly, and I feel like he might 
take a few votes of Ollie Wands where those votes might have gone to Ollie Wands. Um, and like, like you said, Corey, like in the last four weeks, I was going to point it out that Schmidt's only got him for two votes um, in the last uh, three rounds and four if you count the last four. So that could be where it won a loss for Ollie Wands. And the fact that he's favoured, I'm you know staggered by that. Um, I know he had a really ultra-consistent year, but if you're talking about someone who, you know, sort of impressed me, I don't think I had only ones probably in the top five sort of um, in terms of me winning the Brownlee medal. So uh, I'm interested to see how it goes. Purely, I think, Travis back without voting on the night. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if only ones does get up there. But we are talking about it off-air. That year, Robbie Gray was predicted to go really um, well in the Brownlow medal. I feel like it could be one of those ones again. So it's interesting to see how that goes. And like I said, it's, a, it's the one thing that has completely shocked me is it was only towards the end where I really started hearing the Ollie Wines name. And, yeah. You know, you've got him for five votes in the last five rounds, which is yeah. not something that you really hear from someone who's up there with Brownlow favoritism. Yeah. Um, Oh, there was something I was going to say too. Uh, look, I'm lost for words. Uh, don't take this as gospel, ladies and gentlemen. If you're all about Ali Wines, then we could be completely wrong. So, oh yeah, um, no, 100%. Look, would not be surprised if he featured well. But I, I, right now, if I was having a top five, I don't have him in there. Yeah, yeah, um, and I know you're the same, Schmitty. So, um, yeah, 100%. Like you said, you know if. This is all opinion-based, you know. I, I'm no smarter than anyone else. I sit there, I watch the games, and I just call them down the line. I don't get too fast. I don't, you know, I don't let it stew for four or five weeks and then go back and go, oh, yeah, no, that looks pretty good. I'll give him. Yeah. And, I'm not, again, I'm not biased. I'll just call it how I see it, and, and we'll see on the night. How we go. It's an umpire's award, too. Never forget that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, across to the Tiggers, um, Dustin Martin, 14 votes. What the fuck? Like, you got to play over half the season. He's just an animal. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, it'll be good to have Dusty back in footy next year. I can tell you that much. Um, we definitely missed him. Richmond, probably bugger all that on him, though. Yeah, no, there's not much to um, really add with Richmond other than Dusty. Um, who's Who have I got second? I've got the leaderboard here. Jack Rewalt, six votes. I'll, I'm not even confident that it'll be him. Um, um, he probably just kicked some big bads on those games that they've won. And that Brisbane win that they had, he probably was best on ground there. But um, as you can see by the amount of names on that list, um, I think there was a team a bit earlier who had a fair few names. Uh, Geelong might have been. Um, but I think Richmond were just literally, through injury, just forced to play that many players. And that's why you can see so many names on that list because they've just had an array of guys being their best players, you know, like... Ryan Mansell, like, you know, you wouldn't have anticipated at the start of the year that he would have been in their best players at one point or another. No disrespect to the kid, but, um, yeah, in terms of Brownlow, other than Dusty, um, he, well, Dusty's not even relevant this year, to be honest, because he just didn't play enough. Um, there's not really anything I can add. There's not really any markets, I think, that would be all that interesting with Richmond involved, and that's just how it is this year for the Tigers. About shit boring. Yep. Royal. Um, is there any more of a penciled in three vote game than Dustin Martin versus Carlton round one? Like, <laughs> the fact that it's basically every year. Yeah, basically yeah. every year like that is like one thing you just guarantee that Dustin Martin will be BAG round one. I'm interested to see how Shy Bolton goes in that little period like where Schmini's got him in between rounds four and four and eight. Like I know he had a really good patch um, between then and it was um really topic of debate there about whether he was going home or, or not because he was getting that big contract offer and he was one of Richmond's better players in that period. So 
to see if he could probably he might sneak into Richmond second. So if, if they have a market for excluding Dustin Martin, I think um, Shai Bolton would probably be someone that I might chuck in a multi there um, for Richmond's most um, votes. But then again, yeah, like they are pretty boring without Dustin Martin in terms of Brownlow sort of predictions. Like they had, like like you guys have said, the amount of injuries they had this year just sort of compelled how many players are on that list and not many players that might feature in Brownlow vote, votes um, all year because yeah, they, they just had a little bash of boring, to be honest. So. Yeah. Um, it's sort of funny because I've, I've always sort of felt this about Richmond and I, and I sort of got a bit of justification last year when I was doing the Brownlow predictor. I just, for the longest time, I've never really felt like they've got that many star players. Yeah, they're just and, a um, team-based. Like, they just have so Yeah, yeah and, and there's nothing wrong with not having – they obviously do have star players – yeah. So don't get me wrong, but there's nothing wrong with having a great system and a, and a bunch of players who are literally maximising the absolute shit out of their ability, you know, like, um, and, and a one of three of the last four premierships. So, um, yeah, like, even even going back, I always used to feel that they only had Rance, Rewalt, Dusty, and Cochin, and it was just those four, and if it wasn't those four firing, then Richmond had nothing. And it's almost a, it's almost a topic of discussion at the moment. You see who they're talking about as a as a captain replacement for Trent Cotchin. Like, mm. who are their real standouts? You know, other than what are you going to do? Put in Jack Rewalt, who's pretty much the same age as Cotchin, or you're going to put in a, a Dusty, who's pretty much the same age as Cotchin. Like, I know they rate Jack Graham, but yeah. who's their next? Who's their next young star? You know what I mean? But um. Yeah, that's that's going down a different road of conversation, but I, I feel like it does reflect in Brownlow voting um, that they've just got no real standouts when it's not dusty at the moment. So it's funny; it's worth every trade-off to you take the last ten years for what's about to come every day. The well, last ten, last you know, five six years for everything that's about to yeah. come their way in a heartbeat. It's uh, oh, absolutely, it's going to yeah. be give dangerous four, times, I friends. think, for the Tigers. Yeah, no, for sure, and yeah, I think. Um, Hopefully for them they can retain because I do actually feel like they've got some good real young kids like um I think Jack Ross will be a player Mansell looks good um who else they got uh, can't even think of them off the top of my head but I actually do feel like they've got some good kids like oh, Riley Collier Dawkins will be alright but I'm just not I don't know what their list profile is like anyway so yeah yep um, moving on Royal anything to add on the Tigers no. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, on to the Saints. Now, this is interesting. Jack Steele, not one mm. one-vote game mm. in here, according to you, Schmitty. Yes. Let's go. Look, I'm going to put it out there on the table straight away. I think, I think I may have gone a little bit heavy on Steele at the start. Um, I was looking at that Essendon game. They've lost by 75 points. But he's had something like 35 disposals, fucking 10 tackles. He's kicked a goal. He's had the most score involvements nearly on the ground. Um, he was just enormous. You know, if, they, if they're if they any closer in that game, he's nearly best on. You know, if it's a close game, he's nearly best on with those numbers. Um, it's a little bit took Miller-ish, you know. They've had a heavy loss. Does he pull one? Maybe. Does he not pull um, I looked at the odds for him polling in that game, and they've got him at 100 to 1. Um, and I've obviously got him with two votes. And comparing to other Brownlow predictors, um, they don't have him featuring either. So, look, in hindsight, that's all it is. You know, that was 20 weeks ago, that game. Um, yeah, I've probably maybe gone a little bit heavy on him at the start. 
Um, but in saying that, I'm extremely confident uh, comparing my other votes to, again, other predictors and seeing what the other thoughts were about him and his season. I'm I'm extremely confident that I'm pretty close to the mark from probably round 10 onwards. So I think the key for Steele is if it goes the way that I predict and he does poll some early votes, watch out come the end. Um, if he gets to round, uh, I don't know, say round eight and he's on anything less than five, then I think you can almost rule him out. Uh, but, yeah, I think the first five rounds will really set up whether or not he's going to be there come the end. It's going to be an interesting one because it's one that I'm... I really like. I'm, I'm a big fan of Jack Steele, and I think he's going to poll really, really well like you've got him there. Those threes are threes. It's funny, that Richmond game could probably be a three. Um, and it's it's all going to come down to how the umpires seen him in those losses and whether they've noticed him enough tackling and kicking and or if it's walking off the ground, like you said before, looking up, saying, oh, shit, fuck, Jack still had 10 tackles today. And yeah. um, hopefully, hopefully that's enough because this is a man that I would love to see up on the podium. Um, oh, me too. And yeah, you know, at the moment, I've, uh, I, I love how your spreadsheet is at the, with Oliver and Steele. So I'm big on that. Um, Royal? Yeah, I'm, I'm quite surprised. I mean, it doesn't have him for votes in that Essendon game. Like, I remember that was a, a game where Parrish and Merritt sort of dominated. But, again, yeah. um, like you said to me, like, if he does have those votes at the early on in the season, like, he's every chance of taking out that Brownlow middle. But I feel like because St Kilda had such a, a poor start, everyone sort of predicted them to finish top four or, or be that next team to push up into the top four. It's where I feel like it might just hinder his um, potential to get those votes early on in the season. Um, but then again, it is Jack Steele. He's one player that I sort of never really wanted to have in my team because it was always just like, I don't think he was that good. But then again, I just watched him this year and the first time I really sort of recognised how much of a superstar he is. And again, like you guys said, I would love to see him take out the Brownlow medal as well if it wasn't for Clary. Um, his second half of the season was instrumental. Um, and if St Kilda did get a couple more wins on the on the board, then he might have taken out the Brownlow medal this year. But it's all about that start of the year and, and whether he gets those votes that Smitty hasn't been. If not, we might be having a different conversation. Let's not yeah, forget too in that Essendon game as well. Um, yeah, what's his name? Had 35 kicks. Jordan Ridley had 35 disposals as well. Yeah, well, I was looking at the odds, like I said, and, and Hooker's kicked five and he's even the shorter odds to hold more votes and steal in that game. Yeah. But, so what did you say steal yeah. was 101 to 1? Is that what you said? 101 to 1. I, I don't know if that was for the three or just uh, for votes in general. I but, assume it's for three um, votes. If it's even if it's not for three, if they've got like five or six players ahead of him in the market, then they're probably suggesting that he's not even going to pull. Even so, so, we'll go to totals, but that would only drop him down to thirty-two. You've still got him second. Yeah, two. Yeah, true. But uh, again, in in comparison to other predictors, I, I don't even think some of them got him polling in the um in that round two loss. And I, I was actually at that game, and uh, I, I personally don't think a three goal margin is all that much in. Not at all. In this day and no, age, not at all. I mean, we've seen crazier things happen, especially in the umpires yeah. in the day. Just because your team wins the game of football doesn't mean you don't deserve a vote. No, yeah. exactly. Um, but it's yeah, that that was the one I struggled with the most. Like I mentioned with Miller, the, the heavy losses are really just so much harder to justify giving a guy a vote, yeah. especially any more than one. But literally, just Steele and um, Steele and Miller just had massive games in losses this year where. Just made it very difficult. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, 
Royal. No, you already had a chapter in your Royal. Yep. Um, yep. Sydney Swans. Now, this is a very interesting one. The Callum Mills versus Luke Parker. We'll have a look at. Do you have Callum Mills in your top twenty at all, Schmidty? Yep. He's in your top uh, twenty. Oh, actually, uh, yes, he is in my top twenty. 19, 11, 12, 13. Oh, is that 20 there? Is that 20 there? Yeah. Uh, 19, I think. We've got uh, we've got it in the punters club for the group of Callum Mills to make top 20 at like 325. That was like our, our, our long shot league. So I'm glad nice. to see you've got him there. That's pretty handy. <laughs> Look at this. One vote separating. you got Mills outvoting Luke Parker, and I think this will be very interesting uh, come that night for sure. Uh, Chad us through it, Shmini. Yeah, it's a, it's a going to be another interesting head to head. One of those, one of those markets that's going to be difficult. Well, going to be um, hinging on a lot of multis, really. If you you know if you're taking Parker, then you know you're going to be hoping that Mills doesn't go as well as I've got him going because that would mean you're going to cop a big fat L. But um, yeah, obviously Parker's second half of the year was a lot better than Mills's was. Um, but again, it's a little bit merit parish in the way that it was a a season of two halves for the two lads. And um, again, as we've been touching on all night, maybe, maybe Mills doesn't get that recognition um, being sort of a breakout player this year. Um, Whereas Parker has had a history of uh, getting pretty well recognized when it comes to the Brownlow and, and um, yeah, the Sydney obviously had a really good year. Wouldn't surprise me if, if he um, comprehensively beats Mills, but Again, like I've been saying all night, the trend of the night has been that I just call it how I see it, and and that would be with Mills just pipping Parker at the end. Uh, Royal? Yeah, I mean, like, that's it's pretty bang on there. Like, another great head-to-head battle between Mills and Parker, and like you said, the contrary, Taylor two halves, Mills came out the blocks, and Parker came home strong, and, and like we've all said, is it again one of those players that, might not get recognised because he had a breakout year sort of like Parrish and whatnot and, and sort of like Miller in that. So it's just all about his start and whether he gets those three votes that Schmidt's got him in for. And um, again, there's a couple of games where they've got Schmidt's got three and twos, you know, tossing up between Mills and Parker. And it, it could be the difference between one of them coming out on top and the difference between you getting a multi up and not. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that one goes out, to be honest. I can't wait to see the market. I wonder, Tab normally have markets early, actually. I probably should have TAB, but. Um, it is going to be a red hot race between those two, I think. Yeah, what did you get? What did you get our Mills at for top twenty again, Corey? Uh, we got him at three twenty five, but this was yeah. this was a while ago. Yeah, he's at two fifty now. So there you go. Yeah. yeah, no, we got him three twenty five. It would have been. I think we got it right. I don't know. A couple of weeks before the season, the season finished. We might have put this. Yes, yeah, so Parker's at a dollar twenty five for top twenty. So there you go. Yeah. So going to be a good finish between go. them two. Cross to the coasters, boys. Yeah, <clears throat> probably the most boring side at all, to be honest. You can kick us off. <laughs> Did love freaking dummy sheet, eh? Go, Schmini, you take right. it. Dummy sheet, and who's the other one? Uh, Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly. Is Tim Kelly probably... discounted next year comes to the coach, by the way? Uh, I guess so. I'm, I wouldn't be touching him anyway, but I don't care how cheap he is. Uh, do you want Royal to run this, did you? Is that what you <laughs> no, oh, no. Go, Schmini. Yeah, oh, I'd, I'd probably undervalued Nick Nat a little bit. Um, well, he obviously just took out their best and fairest last night. Um, but again, that doesn't necessarily reflect um, Brownlow form because it's not always a given that the best and fairest polls the most votes. Um, yeah, just 
having a quick look, there's just not really a lot going on. I've obviously got their top vote getter only equaling on 10. Uh, so that's not very exciting for anyone. I think West Coast had a very poor season compared to what they would have hoped, uh, especially given the fact that they got to the buy at eight and four and turned the corner and pretty much shit the bed against some pretty lowly ranked sides. Um, yeah, just there's not a lot going on here in terms of Brownlow. Um, they are one of the more boring teams for me to sort of poll. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's all I can really say. I've got nothing for you. Royal? Yeah, like, before looking at this spreadsheet, I would have thought Nick Nanui probably would have been the, the poll getter for West Coast Eagles. But then again, you sort of underline how good um, sort of Dom Shee were in their win. So it's going to be a really interesting one to see who takes out. And probably one that I'll probably avoid in terms of a multi because you just you don't know who might take it out. Nick Nat, Dom Shee. Yeah. Tim Kelly, Andrew Gap, even been a historically decent pole getter on Brownlow night. So it's someone that I'll probably avoid. And yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, it was probably pretty boring to talk about because, you know, they had a really underwhelming you know, second half of the season and um, justified missing out on the finals because hardly any of their players sort of stood up when they needed to be. And yeah, I think Tim Kelly was sort of one that sort of had a decent first half of the season. But other than that, like I just can't see anyone else sort of worth mentioning, to be honest. And I don't even want to talk about this fucking shit team anyway, so we'll go off to the doggies where it gets exciting. And his name is Marcus Bonds and Pally. And what an absolute cracker. It's very interesting here, uh, Shmini, that you've only got the Bonds on 28. You've got him coming in third. Um, and before before I finish this potty as well, Schmidty, I have to. Someone wants to give you a shout out. Big, uh, big Neto, um, SC Elites, uh, the bloke who runs the. The cup every year, uh, good old Neto. He's uh, he's a big spreadsheet lover, um, and he yeah, reckons that this is one of the best things he's seen. And yeah, from one spreadsheet lover to another, Nettie says, "Good job, Schmitty." Oh, thanks for your support, Nettie. I saw you. I saw your comment on the post today. So yeah, I know you're a big fan, and uh, yeah, no, happy, He'll happy to have you on board. Fucking flog, but yeah, uh, really let's will. talk about <laughs> let's talk about the bond. Um, yeah, look, honestly, I I feel like I've got the bond pretty bang on. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep referring back to all the other comparisons that I've made to the other to the other predictors, and I think I I pretty much align with how all of them fall. I think uh, the Bont has cost himself a brown. Oh, sorry, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a fast. Yeah, I agree. But his last his last three weeks, I think he's pretty much killed any chance he had of winning it. I think um, round nineteen. Uh, you could have, you know, he was on 27 votes with four games left. I think that probably would have almost had him at the top from memory on my leaderboard. But um, those three losses, he might not even pull that one in that Essendon game. Um, yeah, I think I think he's done himself a massive injustice with that with the form in the last three weeks. And anyone who had him from early on to win it will probably be uh, raging a little bit at how poorly he went. Um, and. In round 23, you can almost blame Bevo if he loses his by any more than one or two because he was the best on ground by the fucking length of the yeah. straight in the first quarter yeah. and was, then was played yeah. in the forward pocket. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, anything- it's, 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 it's funny, like how you said, like he was the best player on the ground at quarter time and we spoke about this in our, um, in our first finals podcast that we did and then, as you can see, he doesn't even get in their best players. So that was obviously a major turnaround. Yeah. It's interesting. Do you reckon maybe he might have missed the game here or there? Do you reckon he can poll in that GWS game? Oh, every chance. Um, I'm just looking at Marcus Bonds and Pally. 
Yeah, well, you know, the, he could possibly steal that one off Dunkley or, I, I, again, I can't remember how good it was because it was round six. So, um, yeah, he could. He is Bont. So, you know, maybe the umpires go, yeah, uh, Bont and Pelly was pretty good today. Just give him the one and, you know, he might get a couple of those along the road. On the um, counter-argument too, are there any games where McRae isn't polling and Bont's on the three and it might be, you know, oh, well, McRae's had 35 out there. Do we, do we maybe ignore McRae a little bit because he's just touches the ball 35 times every single week and isn't as flashy as Lamont? Yeah, well, I think what you just said then is pretty much the reasoning behind it. I think he just doesn't have that flashiness that Bont does. And um, a, a big one that I always come back to is mid, goal-kicking midfielders, I think, are... They're the types that win Brownlows, and McRae doesn't kick many goals, uh, whereas the Bont can and has. Um, yeah, but McRae is just a machine, and I think uh, I don't really know how the umpires value stoppages and and things like that. But I take into account stoppages and score involvements, and um, McRae definitely is right up there in those areas. So, yeah, um, I don't think I've undervalued McRae. I think Bont has that flashiness about him that probably gets him a nod ahead of McRae most times, even though McRae would have definitely probably had 35 as he did for most of the year. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm pretty confident how I've got the Bulldogs overall. Uh, Royal? Yeah, I mean, like, you guys have banged on that. That last four weeks for Bont really could just tell that he just cost himself a brown and, like, get one, potentially one vote in that last four rounds. Um, he probably would have had one and a half hands around that Brownlow medal if it wasn't for their last, you know, month of footy and the way that they sort of capitulated. And it's funny that now they're in the grand final. So um, for all of us, Wack and Bevo and, and whatnot, and maybe he just sort of saw something that we didn't. But, um, yeah, especially in that last game, he was hands-on, best on ground at quarter time. And if he, if he loses by one or two votes, you sort of just look back and think, well, what happens if he played, you know, midfield in that last game and the doggies sort of get over the line and, it could be the difference between him and Brownlow and whatnot. And I think, yeah, Jack McRae, I think he's going to be one player that's going to be real interesting to whether he gets 20 or more um, votes on the night. Like, he's just you know, underrated in terms of how he plays the footy game. Like, he, I think his lowest possession yet for the whole year was 29 disposals. So, just shows how ultra-consistent he was. And, and that little period between Trelaw, between that rounds three to six, it could be the difference between McRae and, and Bont, you know, on a few votes. So, I'm interested to see how that little period goes as well. We could um, tell whether Bond gets a top three finish or not. Do you know what I was just thinking to myself? Do you think do you think that we could potentially be the Kane Cornses of the Brownlow podcast? We've we've just said that uh, Bond's cost himself a Brownlow. Well, Kane yeah. Corn said that the Bulldogs cost themselves a premiership. Yeah. Imagine they imagine they win it and Bond wins Mate, the Brownlow. I would not be surprised if Bond won the Brownlow at all because oh, I no, banged yeah. the door on about him all year. If, if anyone knows me at Brownlow, it's probably Bond's pal. I don't have a cent on him, so I really hope he doesn't fucking win it. Um, but no, like it's funny because he was clearly the best, like the best there, like. He was, and yeah. it's, I'm actually interested in how poorly he's polled in the first couple. Um, I, I will not forget that start that Josh Dunkley had in, in this season, and it, it, I'm surprised that Dunkley's only got six votes, actually, in that period, because he was one of the best players in the league, especially for the Doggies early. Yeah, um, yeah. I would have thought... Who did you have polling two in that Dogs game? Which one, sorry? Uh, the Collingwood Doggies game. Um, I think I had Darcy Moore, oh, yeah, possibly. Darcy, yeah, no, no, that's right. He had a game half. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, so Bailey so, Smith is, de- is a short price favourite to yeah, get the three, so I'm I'm sure that'll happen. Yeah, and then McRae was good against us as well. So look, it's it, it is interesting. I think the dogs are going to be an interesting team. I the one thing that could save Bontempelli though, honestly, is Marcus Bontempelli. Yeah, like that could be. Yep, that's nah, Bont. I think from memory, I had Bont winning last year and he didn't poll as well as I had him. So, um, like I said, off the top of the Bulldogs little section we've got going on, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident compared to others that, yeah, I've got Bont pretty much bang on. But, um, yeah, again, like I've said multiple times tonight, we will see come Brownlee night. And it's funny because, I mean, the normally when we get these kind of markets too, um, the favourites don't always win. I remember I unloaded on Joe Watson when he was six bucks all the way back in, uh, what, 2010? That would have been now. Is that right? 2010, 2011. Uh, Matt Prittis come from the moon at 21 to ones. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of unexpected on Brownlow Night, and it is never as straightforward as you think. No, no, it yeah. never is. So, um, Royal? You're yeah, expecting, no, can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on, hang on. Beautiful. All right, well, that brings up the team. Now, we're not going to go through round by round. I will recap on what you've got just for the ones that aren't following the spreadsheet at home. Um, Adelaide Crows, we've got Rory Led 17, Tex Walker 10, Keys 9, Brisbane, Jared Lyons 23, Hugh McCluggage 20, Zorko 17, Carlton Sam Walsh 27, fuck, don't even worry about the rest. Uh, Pies had Jordan Degoe winning on 14, Taylor Adams second on 7. Essendon is pretty a lot closer. Parrish 24, Merritt 23, Stringer 13. Fremantle, Mundy, 16, Brayshaw, 12, 5, 10. Geelong is Cam Guthrie on 20 and no one else over 10, but a whole bunch of players on that list, which I absolutely love. Uh, Gold Coast took Miller on 24. I don't know why, just took me to the bottom of the page. Uh, GWS, Josh Kelly, 19. Jacob Hopper, 15. Tim Taranto on 10. Um, that's probably a good one. You could probably find, you probably get a little bit of value on Josh Kelly, I think. Uh, Hawthorne, Tom Mitchell, 23. O'Meara, 12. Wingard, 9. Uh, Melbourne, Clary, 34. Petrarca, 26. Gorn, 12. Simpkin, 11. Cunnington, 8. Jaden Stevenson, 4. I hope we can get like a dollar thirty-three on Simpkin or something there. Uh, Port, you got Ollie Wines at 26. Travis Boak at 20. Carl Aim on 9. Uh, Richmond, Dusty on 14. Rebot on 6. Shrybolt on 5. Steel on 30. Don't worry about the rest. Callum Mills, 18 for Sydney. Luke Parker, 17. Isaac Heaney on nine. Franklin on six, which is interesting. Jordan Dawson uh, on six as well. Tim Kelly at West Coast with 10. Tied with Dom Sheed. Gaff, seven. Jack Darling. Nick Natanui on five. The West Coast one's interesting. I think that's where you'll probably get the most value on a team betting uh, section, that's for sure, especially with you know um, Nick Nack or Dom Sheet or Tim Kelly or something like that, depending on what you like of the day. And Western Bulldogs, Bonton Pally on 26, McRae 22, Trelaw on 7. So, Smitty, do you want to go through your overall leader, even if it's top 5, top 10? Um, and yep. then we'll go across to the Brownlow comparison tool and have a chat with that. You guys aren't in a hurry, are you? No, 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 no beautiful. It's, I, I know, Schmidt, it wouldn't bother you. This is your baby, so... Um, <laughs> yeah, my pride and joy, yeah. so I'm happy. Uh, if you want to have a chat about your overall leaderboard and your team leaderboard, just for those that are following along, this, we're in club-by-club club total at the moment, by the way, too. Yeah, um, yeah so overall, I have Clary and Steele uh, tied on 34. Like, we, like I mentioned, when we got to St Kilda, I think I might have overvalued Steele, so... My, my gut feeling is saying that I've probably got – I've really got Oliver as an outright winner. But, again, the numbers are the numbers, and therefore I have him on a tie. Um, Bont at third. 
Um, yeah, like we touched on there, his last three weeks, uh, voteless, if not maybe the one. Uh, Walsh, 27 in fourth, uh, fifth, equal fifth, I should say, Petrarca and Wines on 26. Uh, then next in would have Parrish and Miller tied on 24. Miller obviously ineligible due to suspension. Um Jared Lyons on 23, Merritt on 23, Mitchell on 23. Uh, 22 votes has Jack McRae. Uh, Clug and Guthrie tied on 20. Uh, sorry, and Travis Boak all tied on 20. Josh Kelly flying the flag for GWS on 19. Um, Mills just ahead of Parker on 18. And then, yeah, Parker and Led on 17. That is actually the top 19 in my opinion. Um, team leaderboard last year, I was actually pretty close when it come to the team leaderboard. Um, and by team leaderboard, I mean total team votes. Um, I don't think from memory, I think there might have been one club who I was maybe about six total votes off and then the rest were all within about I really three. Sorry. I remember you bragging all last year. Yeah. So, yeah, I had a brag last year. I'm having a bit of a brag now because I was pretty bang on. So, um, yeah, that, that got me feeling pretty good about going into this year, doing it all over again. So uh, off the top, the top four, I have Melbourne, Brisbane, Port and Bulldogs. Um, this, I, I just want to mention too, I think I like looking at this and comparing it to the ladder on a week-by-week basis. Um, you see, obviously, my top four on the team leaderboard, Melbourne 93, Brisbane 88, Port 88 and Bulldogs 87. And then Geelong on 84, the, the sides I've got in the top five of my team leaderboard were the top five on the ladder this year, so just in a different order. Um, obviously, I've got Melbourne at the top. They won the minor premiership, so I feel like that's pretty bang on. Um, and then I start to notice a few other little things like Essendon obviously did end up squeezing into the eight, but I think as a team, they poll pretty well, obviously having Merritt and Parrish. Um, Sydney had a had a above par year um, and they finished sixth from memory. I've got them seventh on the list. Uh, St. Kilda is probably a bit of an anomaly. They were, they were definitely below par this year, uh, but Jack Steele obviously polls a whole heap of votes and will be right at the business end of the count. Um, so he probably elevates them a little bit more. So it'll be interesting to see how they, um, how they how they poll as a side come Brownlow night. Uh, GWS on 68, West Coast on 61, Hawthorne on 57, Fremantle on 54, Collingwood on 50, and to round out the bottom five, Adelaide, Carlton on 48, Richmond, who were obviously um, uh, off their you know their recent best from the last four years. Um, even even last year, I don't think I had them featuring in their top eight, uh, which was again an, another anomaly. They finished whatever in the top four, and and it didn't reflect in terms of Brownlow votes, and that ended up being right. So um, to have them down the bottom there, I'm not too worried about. And then obviously Gold Coast and North did finish uh, in the bottom four, North being the bottom side, and just like they are here on the team leaderboard on 36. That's, uh, that was a lot of insight, Schmitty, and uh, very, very good. Look, I, I tell you what, and, and I, w- I was always going to say this, if there's any column that you want to have a punt on in the Schmitty factor, 
the team leaderboard. Gotta play with that. He was good. He was real good last year. You, I reckon you undersold yourself. I reckon there was about two teams that you were like more than one point off on last year. Yeah, it might have been something like you that. You were that um, good. I remember it was like, fuck, that's actually very impressive. So, yeah, amongst all the stats and, and opinions that I gave last year, that was probably my closest to the mark. And all those markets are actually on sports, but at the moment, why don't we fucking multi them? Let's have a quick. Royal, you chat about something. Yeah, like, just to harp on what you said, Corey, like, I, I think um, Smitty's selling himself short. I think the team leaderboard last year, he banged it on. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the order this year. I think. Personally, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dogs finished second. Um, but then again, I think, like you said to me, like the top five in terms of the leaderboard was predominantly the top five of the, the AFL ladder. So when you saw, sort of up the top end of the ladder, you sort of get most of the votes. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the top five or just a jumbled around a bit more. Um, like you said, Essendon sort of, you know, pole up. They're not historically a great sort of Brownlow sort of team, but the, the emergence of Darcy Parrish sort of get us up a bit more up the ladder. And like you said, the anomaly of St Kilda, um, Jack still sort of carries that, but um, yeah, GWS is probably one that I'm I'm really interested to see how they sort of poll as a team because they're the one that I'm just struggling to see who gets their most votes. Um, the same with West Coast, again, like they're, they're the two that I just can't pick that a clear winner. Um, and then again, like you just banged on everything. I reckon it's it's a great one to, to harp on, and I'll definitely be chucking a multi on on that. Um, you can't multi. I just fucking tried. No. I'm ac- I'm actually filthy, filthy. Oh, <laughs> like. Oh, They've got Carlton, Carlton 51 a $1.87 over under either way. They got Brisbane's um, line at a dollar, uh, sorry, at 81 and a half. Like, this is fucking I like, shit. I like the doggies one at $85.82. Like, that was a good odds as well. Like, I think they'll definitely clear that. Um, yeah. Admittedly, admittedly, I actually really enjoy um, when the markets do go live for the Brownlow. I, I do like looking at them and seeing things like you just said about the Bulldogs being 85 and a half, you know, because it's, it's easy to sit here now and go, oh, that's the number. But when you've been doing it week by week for 23 rounds and then you come up with a number of 87 and then you look at the market and they've got 85 and a half, you're just like, fuck, man, maybe I'm – like I'm pretty close to the pin here. Like, yeah. Like it's, it's the one thing with them too is uh, like they would have to have – I don't know, an algorithm or shit, but do a lot of them do it, you know, every day of the year kind of thing? Like, you got to wonder about that as well, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I back you in, Schmitty. You do a lot of work with this. I back you in 110%. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So, um, Brownlow comparison. Now, you take as long as you want to talk about this. Now, this is probably one of the <laughs> most powerful tools in here. Honestly, like... It is actually incredible and something that if you're on this and you're liking someone, go have a look. So I will let you explain the whole thing because you've got your top five in here and the comparison mm-hmm. here. Absolutely love it. Then you've gone, yeah, what is this, six to ten? Yep, six to ten. Um, mate, you take the mic. I'm going to go take a quick whiz. You take the mic, run for it, <laughs> do whatever you want to do. Yeah, all right, folks. Well, um. This one is new. I didn't even, had never considered doing it until probably two weeks ago. I saw a sports bet slash Nathan Brown's predictor. Uh, just wanted to compare it to mine to see sort of how it went and then went one step further and um, incorporated the AFL Brownlow predictor too because 
I am a nuffy when it comes to stats and spreadsheets, and I wanted to compare everything and see how I stacked up against all the other ones. And that's why I've been saying all night, um, you know, comparing what I've got to other spreadsheets, this is exactly what I'm referring to. So uh, hopefully you're looking at the spreadsheet now. Um, the key is at the top there, The all the ones in white are myself. Uh, the light grey is the AFL Brownlow predictor, and then the darker grey is Nathan Brown slash Sportsbet. So going through, um, I did these particular five because this is what Nathan Brown had as his top five. So obviously compared mine. Uh, if you scroll down a little bit further, we've got um, the next six. Uh, which is obviously just me versus the AFL Brownlow predictor because Nathan Brown's predictor didn't go anywhere near ex as extensively as mine. So, yeah, taking taking a quick look at all of these, um, yeah, it's interesting to see if we start with Bont, um, you know, looking at, say, for example, round one where the AFL Brownlow predictor has given him two votes and myself and Nathan Brown have given him none. Um, I think that was probably one of my favourite things about comparing everything. It's it's really just rams home the fact that this is all an opinion-based business. Um, it's an opinion-based hobby slash exercise, um, but it really does fill me with confidence in what I'm doing when I can, can look at all of the facts like this and and see that, you know, for example, round eight, round two, round 10, round 15, round 18, round 19, we've all given bomb three, um, you know, round nine, two, two, three, round five, two, three, three. Like, yeah, just it makes it feel worth um, going through with the whole exercise when, uh, when you feel like you're around the mark. And uh, if you look towards the end there, total votes all within four, um, you know, the placings, uh, Brownie has him equal first with Oliver, uh, AFL has him second, I've got him third. There's really not much drastic um, discrepancy in there. Uh, how do you sort of see Bont there, Royal? Yeah, I think you've, I think you've banged on. Like, I think there's a couple of games because he's Bont that they might just give him the extra votes that you haven't sort of given and same with yeah. Brownie. Um, but yeah, I think the talent of the year, like it shows between all three um, comparison yourself, AFL and Brownlow, like, like back end of the year is probably where it costs him the chance to probably take out a Brownlow. Um, if we're going to go with your one, like the fact that his last four rounds, like no one gives him more than one vote. Um, and even then the AFL don't give him anything. So, yeah. And the fact that they have him so high in second on 32, it just shows that he has to be polling those votes that, um, you know, just like yourself and Brownie didn't give him in the first couple of rounds that, might have to be the difference between him coming first, second, or third. Quick question, yeah, well, Schmitty, just what, yeah, sorry, I'm yeah. back. No, you're good. This, uh, who does the AFL? I actually have no idea. Because, uh, like, I, I can't see how yourself and um, fucking Brownie can have him not polling a game in round 16, and they're yeah. giving him three. Yeah, I was just about to say that exact same thing. Um, it, it's it's funny, like... like like, even in round one as well, like, there was so many dogs players, like, Baz Lincoln, McRae, Hunter, Dunkley, like, all over 30 touches. And, like, yeah. got him too. And, like, he, like Darcy Moore was really good as well for Collingwood. Like, 
it's just like one of those games that stands out for me. Like, where do they get that from? Yeah, and then on the other side of the coin, you've got round 14 where Brownie and I have given him two and they've not given him any. So yeah. um, that's what I've really enjoyed about this particular thing. And, again, it wasn't something that I planned on doing. Um, it was more just a spur-of-the-moment thing. I've probably been bored in lockdown, haven't been at work for three months and just decided I wanted something to do. And, um yeah, it's it's actually been quite a fun exercise. And you to know, you know, the other together. good thing to have a look at here is if you're right about Bont and the other two are yeah. wrong, your order still applies because they they have um, Jack Steele on a worse of twenty nine, so yeah. it would still fall Clary Steele Bont. Well, sheesh. Yeah. Oh, well, and that's you know that's doubting that you're right because they've. I mean, I know we'll get to the Steele factor, but they've they've rated Steele pretty well too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like I'm just gonna like bring I up said, that North Melbourne game. We keep talking as well. Which one? That North game. I want to go see stats. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, like I've been saying, that, that's been one of my most favourite things about this whole exercise. Just that comparing, like, not just seeing the similarities, but seeing the differences too. Um, but yeah, moving on to Oliver. Um, I just I don't think there's really much we can hash on there. Um. Before you keep going, before you keep going, mm-hmm. uh, 27 he had. He had 27 disposals, uh, kicked the behind, went at 66% by foot, 12 score involvements, though. So that was round 16, yeah? yeah. I'm going to just flick to Liber, the Liber kicked 2-2, two, two, had 25, surely polling. I've got. I've given McRae one. Uh, McRae three. Yeah, McRae had thirty-one with. Hang on, where was the tackles? Uh, three tackles and eight score involvements, but went at eighty percent by foot, and fourteen of them were contested with seven clearances. And I gave Libba one, and I've given two to a North bloke. So Aaron Hall. Um, I've given two to Ben Ben Cunnington. Uh, Cunnington's kicked two two and had twenty-six with seven tackles. Well, there you go. And Aaron Hall's had 31 with 13 marks. Jesus. Yeah. It is going to be a very interesting game. Very yeah, interesting. Yeah, that, uh, that might sort of unlock a key. Um, obviously, if he, we've, I've got him polling none there. If he does get a three in that game, um, that you know could go a long way to helping him win it. Yeah. Even though we've, we've all, between the three of us, not us three, the three predictors have Got him not polling in well, not really that well in the last four weeks. That that one that the AFL predictors given him for best on could unlock something that we haven't anticipated. And in round one, round one will be the teller too. Like if he's polling in round yeah. one, he's obviously polling well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to yeah, moving on to Clary, it's it's pretty obvious by looking at the placings that we've all got him. Winning. Uh, first, I've got him. I've got him equal. Um, like I said earlier, probably outright. If I'm being honest with myself, um, AFL predictors got him outright, and Brownie's got him equal with Bont. Um, but again, there's not really too many discrepancies here. We've all, when we've got him um, polling votes, pretty much well, one, two, three, four of the games, uh, we don't all have you know have him in the votes, but. At least two of us do, so I feel like that's still pretty consistent. Um, the funniest yeah. part for you too is you you don't have him in that Brisbane game polling. Yeah, which means you may have sold him a little bit short. Or the West Coast game either. Well, round. Round. Oh, yeah. Twenty-one. Fucking but that's hell. but have a look at that though. I don't have him. Brownie's got him for one. AFL's got him for two. So 
Yeah. Fuck, I'm so confident on Clayton Oliver now. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about Clary. <laughs> and that's what I that's what I mean. Like this is why I've taken I'm not an I'm not an arrogant person and I I don't like to toot my own horn, but like looking at this in this way has really just rammed home to me that I'm not far off. I don't think it's really just gonna come down to the little nitty gritty things like the one here, the two there, the three there, whether it's this guy or that guy and um yeah, I don't think anything I've got here is overly far-fetched. No, nah, no, nah, I think you've done a fantastic job. And, um, yeah, uh, Look, I was already on Clary, so you've made me a little bit more confident. <laughs> um, yeah. Sammy Walsh, on, this is an interesting one. Yeah, well, you know, we thought maybe I was being a bit generous with 27. Brownie's got him um, polling more than me, but finishing lower than me, so that's interesting <laughs> in itself. Um <laughs> Yeah, 28 votes on my leaderboard would probably have him equal third with Bond yeah. from memory. Um, yeah, the, just interesting looking at that um, from round 15 around 20 where I've got him for five best ons. Um, Brownie and AFL have got him for four out of the five and still polling in the, in the extra one, so I don't think that's um, beyond the realm. Um, the other games where I've got him polling threes, they've got him polling threes. I think... Um, yeah, if you really wanted to get Sam Walsh involved in some either top four finishes or, you know, boxed something, um, yeah, you you would be barking up the right tree, I think. Uh, and I've got him... I, I was backing you here, actually. I've got him in a couple of different um, multis rounding out the, the top four. So um, I like the Sam nice. Walsh, but it's not so much... I think a lot of it has to do with me not loving Ollie Wines, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, if... If um, he polls what um, Brownie thinks he will, then I think, uh, you know, if, if if he polls how Brownie thinks he will and everything else goes the way I've sort of tipped, then that just helps any case for a top four finish, you know. Tell you what, Eva, look, even on here, like 29, 29, 34 for Jack Steele. Like, so my my box four at the moment, and I've even got it outright, I've actually got it outright for Oliver into Steele, into... Um, Bont into Walsh. And what did we get at that? What did we say? We got a thousand. We got a thousand and one to one one to one on the outright. And um, yeah, I've got that at the moment. So even having a look at what everyone else is thinking, it's still pan out for me. Yeah, absolutely. Don't get too confident, but I've seen crazy things happen. Like uh, fucking, um, what's his name? Uh, Brayshaw and Steele absolutely come from the cloud. So something like that will happen. What are your thoughts, Royal? Just have a little bit of fun with this, ladies and gentlemen, too. Like we said, don't go. If you don't have money to punt, this isn't a punting podcast. We do talk (laughs) about it because we're degenerate alcoholics who love a punt, except Schmitty, who's just an all around (laughs) fucking good bloke, and Royal, who just wants to lose fucking 1,200 kilos. Um, But myself, I'm a degenerate alcoholic who loves to punt. So. Um, it is not gospel, and don't follow us unless you've got a couple of spare quid sitting aside to go for it. Royal. Exactly. Um, yeah, like, it's really like just to harp on about um, Walsh again, like, it's that early start of the season where you've got him for twos, and like AFL and Brownie got him for ones. Like, like for all of us, we were jumped on that um, boxed four that um, Corey sort of outlined, and we're following you, Schmidt, on that. On the, on the leaderboard, like, if he can get those votes early on in the year, it, it really does help his cause to to finish up in the top four. So I'm interested to see how he goes there. And, and also with Jack Steele again, like it's interesting to see how they fell, have actually got him for a vote against, or actually haven't got him a vote um, against Essendon, yeah. but um, you have. So that's where it probably could be the difference between him finishing in the top three or not. So yeah. 
Um, it's probably like those starts for Walsh and, and Steele, like whether they can get off to the start that they're sort of anticipating that they are going to get to and um, whether they can con- continue that on to the rest of the season, whether they finish in the top four or not. The other yeah. interesting one um, on the Clary front, f- f- front, oh my God, front <laughs> is that round 16 game again. It's, it almost seems like the AFL didn't watch the round, round 16 at the moment. That round 16 game where you and Brownie having for three in that win against Fremantle where he fucking dominated and they've got him for one. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Fucking nuffies. And they got him for one in the last round, too. Yeah, well, and that's interesting because, yeah, I, I can't, actually can't remember that game. GWS, neither can uh, I. Oh, and that was the game on the. Um, yeah, fuck, I can remember that game. I got in a lot of trouble in my own household for that one. <laughs> got, got pissed and came home after a night out. It was back during uh, the curfew period where you were let her out and uh, ended up going to the neighbour's house instead of spending date night with the wife. So, it's also good to say like you, um, there's not much like comparison like in terms of like the leaderboard in terms of like the finishing for the top four players but it, it's the next person that we're all um, interested to see how he goes like how far you guys have got him in finishing on the uh, leaderboards where that's where the, the one besides the brown Lamino, like I've said he's the one person I'm going to be watching Ollie Wines where how he goes because a lot of people have him high up a lot of people have him low down it's really the one that's going to shape a lot of multis if people do take Ollie Wines in it, um, especially like in a boxed four, like whether he gets the votes that sort of the AFL are predicting. Yeah. I'm not predicting to get that you guys are giving him, but um, it's it's one that I'm really fascinated to see how it goes. Well, I think um, just looking at it, I think uh, when you look at where I've given him three, uh, Brownie follows with all of them except one. He, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's to say that you know, two two votes against one, not not literally, as in two votes, me and Brownie versus the AFL, Brownlow predictor. Um, yeah, like, it, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Like we we obviously see eye to eye on those games where he's polled best on ground. Brownie doesn't. Well, actually, sorry, one game, Brownie's given him the best on ground, but AFL and I haven't given him anything. So. Um, yeah, I feel again like I've been saying for you know the trend of the podcast that it really justifies to me when I'm giving a bloke you know best on ground six times, and someone else has given him a best on six times as well. I'm, yeah. yeah, but it's also like at the start of the season, like the AFL and Brownie have given wines a vote each in each of the first two games, and you haven't. You've got him, yeah. and then they've got him thirteenth. So it's sort of like if they're giving him votes in on the year, and he sort of tapers away. Where there's like that's where everyone sort of to jump on all he wants is in the back end of the year, like he hasn't got the votes that like there's two games around 19 and 20 where you've given him votes or the AFL haven't, but then he's sort of expected on the market to be the outright favourite, which sort of just doesn't really make a lot of well, sense. Well, yeah, exactly, and and look at between the three Brownlow predictors, I've been the most generous over the last five weeks. He's got five votes off me in five weeks, and he's got two yeah. off the AFL and three off Brownie. Like exactly, like that's pretty consistent. So that's not. You know, well, that's, that's what, not just that's me going, oh, no, Ollie Wines had a slow end of the year. I've obviously rated his end of the year better than two other, you know, markets or not markets. And that's why I don't get why he's such a short favourite at $3 or wherever he is it, now. Me too. I honestly yeah, can't understand. That happens every year. happens every year. Someone has yeah. a flashy – and don't forget, like, have a look. Round 9 to round 18, arguably one of the best in the comp with everyone else that he's up there with. And I think that's where – it's almost skewed. I mean, a couple of the other slow finishes, but fuck me, Clayton Oliver is like... I mean, you have a look at the diagram and everything. We could be extremely wrong, but 
Yeah, fuck it. I, was, I, I don't. I don't get the Oliver thing. It's it's a hype thing. I think Port finishing top four probably helped that hype in the end. And yeah, I, I don't have him near it. But we could be completely wrong. We could, but but yeah, like if I'm completely wrong, that would mean the AFL predictor is even more wrong. Yeah. If Ollie, Wines, if Ollie Wines wins it and they've got him yeah. on 19 votes, finishing 13th, then what does that say about that predictor, you know? I want to know who done the predictor. <laughs> no, me too. I wish I knew. Yeah. There's probably a multitude of people because the fact that he's such a short favourite but he's back in the years not backed by the AFL just shows like some something doesn't add up, to be honest. But Yeah. Sweeney could be wrong. We could be all be wrong and – only one could so much have a brown around his neck or finish in the top three. I think Jack Steele's yeah. the real interesting one for me. Like the real I think interesting so too. one. Because you have a look at these and like you have a look at the numbers everywhere. And that's I've got, you know, I've got a lot of bets going on and a lot of bets where Jack Steele's second, but to hedge my bets, there's a lot of them where Jack Steele I've got Jack Steele as number one. Um, because I think he's one of those players that could snag votes in games where he doesn't... Like, you know, that Geelong game. Like, you've got him equal first. You've probably got him, honestly, second. But, you know, that Geelong game where a couple of them have him for one. The Carlton game, a couple of them have him for one. Like, yeah, you know, it's... Yeah, he could be one that... He could. And it's like I said with the Saint, when we got to the St. Kilda part of the pod. Um, I think his first five weeks, to me, really um, are crucial whether or not he wins. But... In saying that, if he if he doesn't poll in that Essendon game like I've anticipated he will, and probably in hindsight probably won't, but there's always that chance he makes up for those two votes somewhere else down the line like you've been getting at. You know, Brownie's got him for three votes in the Gold Coast win. I've got him for two. You know, if he does get the three there, and then the same in the North game. If he gets the three and not the two that I've anticipated him for, then he makes up for missing out in that Essendon game like I've got him. So... You know, there's always that chance that he still does finish on the same total, just gets there a different way. Yeah. Did you want to talk about the bottom five as well? Um, not particularly. We, you know, we've been going for a while, but um, yeah, it's more, it's just more of the same, really. Again, like I've been saying all along the way, it's just comparing what I've got versus what other people think. Um, just having a quick browse through all of the names. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone really stands out. I don't, I don't really see. Any three votes given by the AFL Brownlow predictor that I haven't, well, not that I haven't, but like, you know, they've given him three and I haven't had him in the votes at all. There's obviously some threes and twos and threes and ones and whatever else, but um, yes, nothing outrageous that we don't really see eye to eye on. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the placements are quite similar. Obviously, the AFL don't have Jared Lyons finishing in the top 10, whereas I do. Um, but again, like, their total, their, you know, their vote tallies equal a different placement to mine. You know, 20, 20 votes in mine still might be a top 10 finish, uh, just, you know, hypothetically speaking. But, um, yeah, I, I think um, the the one that does interest me before we sort of wrap up this thing is uh, 26 votes. So I've got Parrish on 24 at equal 7th, and they've got Parrish on 26, finishing 4th. Um obviously don't have Parrish in my top four, but if he did have 26, I don't think I'd have him still in the top four. I think he might even only get up as high as fifth. Um, but, yeah, that's that's another interesting one, and you see you see that in the betting markets too with Parrish being involved in top four finishes. Um, I personally don't think he gets there, 
they've obviously given him the two votes in the Dreamtime game that they won, that they lost, that he got the medal. Um, just seeing just seeing where <laughs> they've made up. It's only two votes, so it's it's hard to say because, again, like we've been saying the whole way along, it's really just such a marginal thing. You know, it's if a three becomes a two, that changes everything. So yeah, no, you're not wrong yeah. there. Yeah. Look, uh, before we talk about our best bet, Schmini, I, I just want to say a big thank you for this. It, uh, oh, no it, we, if you don't do this, we don't do this pod at this year. Or, well, we don't do it with as much information as what you arm us with. So you do a fantastic job. I know you love it. You are the definition of a football nuffy. There's absolutely no denying that, but we love you for it. Um, and a big thank you for all you do. And same to you, Royal. Uh, you do a lot, a part of the, the page every single year that goes um, unnoticed too. So um, besides Will, you're probably the, the two to three, four, can't count Pete out there, hardest working blokes that we've got in the page. Appreciate the it. rest of them can all get fucked because they don't do anything. So, um, <laughs> but look, this is... One of the finest piece of arts, and I truly mean it, as a podcast, it is probably my favourite podcast to do. I'd love the Brownlow Medal every single year. It is my favourite night in football. So, a big thank you. Let's go through your best bets. Now, Schmitty, I know you're not a huge gambler. Is that true? Oh, oh no, I'm not. I'm not, a, I'm not a CBE gambler, but I'm, you know, a weekly... <laughs> Having a crack at multis and yeah. failing by one leg Always regularly. What, what what are you, what are a couple of your favourites for this? Um, I really do actually like. I know it's a long shot that thousand and one top four that we put on, literally based off my overall leaderboard. Yep. Um, yeah, I would I would love for that to get up, and I've backed that in like you have. You want to let the people uh, know what it is? Yeah, so it's a just. A, not a box top four, but it's it's the top four that I've outright. predicted. Outright top four: Oliver Steele, Bontempelli, Walsh in that order, paying a thousand and one to one. Um, yeah, obviously, like I said a bit earlier, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fabricate anything and and look at the odds and just try and pick something random that I like. I've I spent long enough, you know, getting to this conclusion that. I'm not going to doubt myself now and not back myself in because if I didn't and I, you know, took a top four that and just put Parrish in there because what for whatever reason it would it would essentially um, uh, what's the, what's the word contradict what I've come up with and and then if the top four that I did predict get up and I didn't back it in that would be pretty much a waste of time so. Um, yeah, 1,001 for that top four, Oliver Steele, Bont, Walsh in that order. Um, not sure what you get if you box it. but 31 to 1, don't worry, I'm already on it. Uh, yeah, 31 <laughs> to 1. I'll probably back that too just because I may as well. Yeah, um, I generally come Brownlow night like having a bit of a bit of a double in, you know, the longer multis trying to – the 10-leggers or whatever and just taking, you know, say a lead at Adelaide into – Maybe like JL at Brisbane into Dugowie at Collingwood into Guthrie at Geelong into Monday at Freo, all that sort of shit. You know, getting maybe 10 legs and getting some whatever odds and having a couple of bucks on that. Um, I haven't actually looked too much into the markets yet. Uh, yeah, so I can't really give you my best bet, but that's probably. I oh, actually, I don't mind. Um, I just don't mind 375 for Oliver. 
I, I think he should be probably more short price than that. But just I have to let noticed... you know, just to let you know, because mm. that's my best bet. But Oliver everywhere else is three twenty five, except oh, yeah. except sports bet. So oh, okay. if you like Clary, I would suggest getting on sports bet now because I think by the time the Brownlow kicks off, I think he'll be into favourite. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have I have noticed too. Um, since editing, you know, my spreadsheet from two days ago, um, just sort of putting the finishing touches on it and locking it all up before I posted it today. Um, Jack Steele has come in from eight dollars to six fifty in about twenty four hours, so the money seems to be coming in for him. Uh, six fifty for a win. Um, just trying to quickly flick over to. And Ollie Wines, while we're on that subject too, opened at three bucks and is out to three twenty five. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So Clary um, on Ladbrokes and Sportsbet, Clary and Oliver are tied at a dollar twenty five favorite. Nice. Yeah. I think uh, Jack Steele at two twenty for a top three finish. Uh, I feel like he's pretty good value. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, Sam Walsh at two twenty five for a top five finish. I value. Can you multiply? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm actually on the desktop site, not logged into my account. So um, I can't minimise that now. I've got a fucking massive list of names that I can't get through. Um, Yeah, you can. Five bucks you'll get for that. Nice, nice. Uh, Oliver Oliver Steele, Brownlow Medal, Quinella, 10 bucks. Already on it. Yeah, so (laughs) I'll I'll probably get on that too. Um. Yeah, again, like I said, all my betting comes from the numbers I've got. I'm not going to question myself and just start picking shit out of thin air because it looks good and, and I like the odds. No, so that's all I can really say Royal. from my perspective. Yeah, I, I don't mind the uh, a box trifecta of Clayton Oliver, Marcus Bontempelli, and Jack Steele at eighteen dollars. Like I've I've jumped on that. Um, I think that's pretty nice. Um, a bit of bias, Darcy Parrish, a top five finish at 240, I don't mind. Um, I've also jumped on with you boys at, on that top four and, and the box four of um, Oliver Steele, Bont and Walsh, so I don't mind those. Um, but a question with that notice for you used to, someone that's a Brownlow, not a smoky to, to win it, but like someone maybe to poll in the top five or top three that you might not think is getting the recognition on the odds or, or just someone that you feel that might just go under the radar? Is there someone that you kind of think uh, that might? Took, took, for me. took for me. I wouldn't be surprised if Took finished top five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Smitty, you? yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised if Took finished top five either. Um, um, just looking through my leaderboard, I think Boke might be one who can finish in a top ten. I'm um, not having looked at the odds of that, but yeah, I think um, if Wines doesn't poll as well as what I've got him, um, which is in line with what some others would tend to believe, I think Boke might steal some of those votes and yeah, a top 10 finish for him wouldn't be completely too far-fetched. Yeah, I'm full of Jared Lyons. I just think he's probably one that's under the radar for me. I think just ultra-consistent, but... Again, I just don't think he'll get the recognition that the AFL sort of um, the umpires are probably going to give him. But uh, one, another one that for me is probably Jack McRae. I just want to see how he goes, like whether he gets the recognition he deserves or he's just going to be sort of bypassed because he gets his 30 every week and he sort of doesn't 
mm. sort of help from that. Um, whether the umpires just sort of say, oh, it's Bond, like he'll, he might yeah. have more impact or, or they're going to actually give the recognition to McRae. So that's one, the one person I'm looking to see if Jack McRae can finish in the top five. Yeah. And then, um, before, yep. sorry, you go. See no, you. no, okay, what are you going to say? I was just going to say, before we finish up, let's, I just want to do a quick exercise. Can you fellas both bring up for me um, the club by club total page of the spreadsheet? Yeah. Going to reel off to you. Um, Sportsbet have the markets for most votes for each club. Um, yep. So most votes without lead. Who is first on that leaderboard? Walker. So the odds. Sportsbet have got Walker at a dollar eighty-five, Keys at a dollar ninety-five, and Seedsman at ten. Um, Brisbane have Jared Lyons at a dollar forty, Hugh McCluggage at three, and. Zorko at eight fifty. That's where you've got the top three. Yeah. Okay. Carlton without Walsh. Um, Harry Mackay at a two dollar forty favourite ahead of Ed Kerno at two fifty into Cripps at three. You've got them all at five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Collingwood. Jordan Degoe dollar sixty favourite at three twenty for Tay Adams. Jack Crisp at eight. Fuck, you yeah, got you to go seven votes in front of Tay Adams, so that's grouse at a dollar sixty-five. Yeah, you got the top three in order as well. So, so okay. interestingly, moving on to Essendon, I know I've got the top three, but they've got Darcy Parish dollar fifty favorite. Yeah, Zach Merritt at two thirty-five. So as we spoke about earlier, um, maybe taking that on head to head at two thirty-five isn't terrible. Uh, then Jake Schenger at twenty-six dollars. Most votes Fremantle. David Money is a dollar eight favourite ahead of Andrew Brayshaw at six dollars. Nat Fife at twenty one. Yep, nah, easy Monday. Um, Geelong Guthrie a dollar eight favourite into Selwood Danger Hawkins. Ah, you've got all Guthrie 13. slapping them, so that's a dollar eight. Not bad. Yeah. Um, oh, I actually rate myself here. Here's, this is just got me <laughs> a little bit firm in the pants. Most votes Gold Coast without Miller. Noah Anderson a dollar forty. Yeah, yeah, probably wasn't you, too hard. He had a couple of good games. Yeah, but still, that <laughs> to pick it, who come after Miller could have been anyone. Throw yeah. a blanket over five blokes. Um, dollar thirty, you said. Yeah, dollar good forty favorite. Good if we're allowed Brandon, to do that. Brandon Ellis at four That's bucks. Hugh McHugh Greenwood at five fifty. Most votes GWS. Josh Kelly dollar twenty five. Tim Taranto at seven dollars. Hopper at nine. Yeah. Kobe at ten. So if you can find GWS without Kelly, you'll get odds on Hopper. Uh, yeah. Yep. It's pretty good. Uh, no market at the moment. Uh, most votes without Mitchell. Yeah, Omira dollar fifty. Yeah. Wingard two twenty five. Yeah, it takes that comfortably too. I know. You're I think so too. Yeah. So you yeah, got think... Yeah. Great. Um, and then after Wingard, it's Daniel out forty one dollars. So that's irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> Um, most votes Melbourne Oliver dollar thirty Petrarca three dollars Gorn fifteen and then it's a hundred and one Ed Langdon. Fuck dollar thirty is amazing for the bloke who's going to lift the round line. That's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Um, North Ben Cunnington a dollar fifty Simkin at two forty. You got Joy Simkin beating him by three yeah. votes. Yeah, so that's the other way around according to me. Uh, and then Aaron Hall at thirteen dollars. Yeah. And then Steve out twenty six bucks. I'm sure he's betting on himself. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Port Adelaide they've gone without Wines and Boak. So it's Carl Amon at a dollar eighteen. Yeah, he's nine. nine. I think that's. Uh, I think that's a moral too. Carl Amon's a gun. Yeah, Lear, Lear at five, yep. and then it's pretty relevant after you got that. Yep. Richmond Dusty a dollar ten. Yeah, home. Rewalt nine dollars. Yeah, Shea don't worry Bolton, about it. Nine dollars. Dusty home. Don't worry. 
you, I'm surprised there's no market without him because I still think he's a certain favourite. Yep, that's, yeah, that's, he's, a, he's a stocking filler. We'll take that. Um, most votes without steel at St Kilda is Dunson at dollar eighty, Crouch at two eighty, Zach Jones at five bucks. Fuck, you got Crouch at four votes. You got Dunson on eight, Zach Jones on seven. Oof. Yeah. And four as well. Uh, most votes Sydney Parker at dollar fifty favorite ahead yes, of Mills two fifty. Yeah, get on that. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Heaney at eleven, Buddy at fifteen. Um, well, the one, the interesting one, the West Coast one. Yeah, okay. West Coast, Dom Sheed, two dollar thirty favorite. Yep. Tim Kelly, two eighty five. Yeah, you Andrew got, Gaff, three seventy five. Nick Nat, seven fifty. Yep. No, that's good. That's a hard one. And I it, honestly, if I'm putting a multi together, I'm avoiding that at all costs. Yeah, yeah me too. Gaff. Don't like any of that. Um, and then Western Bulldogs without Bont and McRae, Libba at two twenty, Bailey Smith at two fifty, and Trelaw at seven fifty. You got Trelaw and Smith tied, so I don't mind that Trelaw because yeah. even if he ties, you get three fifty on it. Yeah, because he had a good patch early on in the yeah. year as well. So I'm yeah, help his cause. So yeah, hadn't planned on going through that, but just like that to was good. Compare that was fun. Well, that was mm-hmm. um, my best bets: Clayton Oliver, back him out right. I think he wins yeah. it, and I think he wins it comfortably. Um, I've gone hard on that Brownlow four, but that's because putting balls to the wall. I think the one that I love is the Jack Steele and Clayton Oliver Quinella. Um, they've also backed Exactors as well. But the, at eight fifty, the Clayton Oliver Jack Steele Marcus Bontepelli trifecta, I think, is awesome, awesome value, and I'll probably yeah, have. I'll a, be getting on that. I'll probably I'll have a bit of a hard yeah. flutter on that as well. So. Um, <laughs> Anything to add, boys? It was a great pod. Went for a while. Hopefully, people have enough time to listen to it before the brown, though. If not, fuck yeah. it. I had fun. So. Yeah, me too. At the end of the day, I'd love for people to listen, but I don't care in a way because I just love getting in here and talking about oh, it. Oh, and it backed me even more. So <laughs> I'm either going to curse you on Monday or love you. Or Sunday, I should say. Curse you on Sunday. I love you. All right. I'll wrap it up there. On behalf yeah. of Schmitty, myself, and Royal, um, and the Patreons at patreon.com forward slash SC Elite. Peace out, community. Thank you for listening. By the way, I think the Patreon's free. I've got to confirm with Dizzer at the moment. If you're not a Patreon member, jump in. Fuck it. you got nothing to lose. You just go sign up. I think you still have to enter your details and everything, but you won't be charged. So thank you very much. Uh, peace out, and thanks again. Adios. Adios.